When you buy a new house, you might say, Shut the front door. Winning. No, seriously, shut the front door. We own this house now. But you actually need to say, Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. The local State Farm agent is there to help you choose the coverage you need. Welcome to my crib. <laughs> no one says that anymore, but I don't care. So just remember, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. This week on the True Geordie Podcast, we finally have our first woman on the show, and she's one of the strongest people I've ever met. An actress and entrepreneur who made a video diary during supporting her husband in his battle against cancer while raising two kids. And her name is Holly Matthews. There was just so many similarities in who we were. Like, it was weird. Like, if anyone had ever said this to me, I'd have been like, oh, cringe, like, love at first sight stuff. But we met and we were, like, fully equals. He wasn't in pain. Like, we're talking, like, we were in the Caribbean in May this year and within a month, he was dead. It was weird. Three days after <coughs> brain surgery, he was wallpaper in Texas's bedroom. You know, like, he didn't give a fuck. He had bandages. I mean, he wasn't supposed to be, mm -hmm. but he was the hardest bloke, of, like, mentally the strongest bloke. And not, like, a stiff upper lip or anything like that. Just, like, pure, I'll do what the fuck I want, like, on every level. We were sat, me and the girls, and we were writing 32 reasons why we love Ross, why we love Dad. And they, as I'm writing this, I mean, the, the poignancy of this is, like, not lost on me. Like, we were writing that, and I looked over, and he was sort of chattering, and I thought, is he on the phone to someone? And I thought, oh, my God, he's not. He's having a seizure. You know, he thought he was fine, and the doctors had to say, Ross, I'm really sorry, but you're not going to be saying anything that's right. And I'm in the middle of boots buying nappies and, like, um, things that be put on the bed and whatever. And I sat in the car afterwards. It was raining. I'm sat in the car. It's dark. I'm sitting there with nappies. And I'm looking at, like, next, where we'd been, you know, the month previously buying house stuff. And I'm like, what the fuck? Just to be clear, you identify as a woman, don't you? I do, yes. Okay, good. There's, no, sure there's no ambiguity there. Yeah, yeah, I'm totally no comfortable. Clear. I can call you here if that's what you want. Obviously like, a woman. Yeah. No, I'm really Joe. comfortable with being a woman. Born I'm a woman. Born a woman. Got all the... Born a girl, if anything. Everything under the hood. Yeah. Under the hood. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, all right, all right. So let's get serious. your hood? All right. So we're going to get serious now. Slightly serious. Does that question. Slightly yeah. serious. Yeah. So a while ago... Uh, I was moaning on Twitter and YouTube saying all these vloggers who we've got in on YouTube who, hi guys, and my life's perfect, I'm just off to do this, that and the other, and yeah. I'm making a sandwich today. Mm, um, I was just like, it's not really an accurate depiction of real life. Mm -hmm. And um, it was brought to my attention that you are the person who's doing that best right now. So I watched some of your videos. And very quickly, I realised that they were right. Uh, and I knew straight away I wanted to get you on the podcast. We've been waiting for the right time. Yeah. And uh, Some stuff's been going on. Yeah, I've, I've sort of let you get on with everything you've been going on with. But yeah. do you want to sort of tell us um, how you sort of did things differently on your vlogs to the, re the regular people out there? The, the more recent stuff has come about um, me talking about my journey with my husband having cancer, um, grade four brain cancer 
and with the girls, my two daughters, and um, just documenting it. Mm -hmm. And we spoke a little bit earlier, but I sort of, for me, it was kind of, it was sort of threefold. It was like, one day the girls, my daughters, will want to understand what's happened, Mm -hmm. and this will make sense of it for them. Two, for myself, like to kind of, at some point, go back on it and go, shit that really happened and what was that because I can't remember many of the videos now like I'm not going to go back and watch them all and like torture myself I can't really remember them and at some point I think I'll want to look at them and kind of go okay what happened like really make sense of it and then the other way reason was that I don't want to say the same thing over and over again and when you're going through something painful and everyone wants an update you have to repeat the same sad story over and over again. And I just thought, I'm not doing it. I'm, I'm not doing it. And in so I put it all out initially when the recent, most recent stuff, when Ross was dying, I thought, right, I'm going to just do a video. I'll blast it out to everyone. I won't have to say anything. And honestly, the truth is, since doing that, I haven't had to tell people the story. Like, not once since Ross has died. I've never had to say Ross died, like, ever. Mm -hmm. Like, I go, I mean, yes, it's been in the press and stuff as well as being on YouTube, but I've never had to go in anywhere. And and it's it's a weird thing, but Mm -hmm. actually it's kind of positive. So that's kind of how I... And and I just... I never, I don't edit very much, mostly because I can't really edit, so I just I like that, though. It's because it's raw as fuck. It's so It's so real, and that's what I like about it. I just kind of say what is in my head, and then even when, like, the mess-up bits where I'm, like, mumbling stuff, I just think, oh, so what? Like, you're right, like, I'm so bored of, like, perfect lives. Like, it's not realistic, and it Mm. doesn't interest me at all. I don't want to watch, like, hey, I'm so perfect, and my life is amazing, just Mm. getting a a coffee, and, like, it's just... It's done. Like I want to when I speak to people, and that's why I like your show is because I want to know what like what people are passionate about and mm-hmm. what excites them and what I don't know like what scares them. I, I'm not interested in like small talk. When I watched your video the first time, it fucking hit as like a ton of bricks. To be quite honest with you, because he has this this woman who not a girl, a woman who obviously is aware that she's a about to lose the love of our life who's going to spend the rest of our life with this guy and, and all of a sudden, you know, life takes a turn and that's it. And you're having to try and make sense of that. And when you were speaking through the pain, and I think uh, maybe it's the first video I, I, I might have seen was before you went at the hospice. Yeah. Um, you spoke with such clarity and you, you had your shit together in a way that I've not seen anyone speak while going through something so painful. And I was like... Fucking hell! A, how much pain she's going through, and B, how together you were was it was mind blowing. Like and uh, and the Geordie accent didn't hurt either because obviously I connected with you yeah. and um, it just blew us away. I think just like uh, for me, like just being just being honest was helpful. Like it just it, I find it easier. I don't really know how else to be with that stuff, and I think there's always in the back of my mind this might help somebody else. Mm-hmm. Like, there is always that element there that if I talk about it and I talk about it in a way that, you know, like the weird stuff that you go through, especially in grief and pain and like caring for somebody, there's there's weird stuff that no one talks about mm-hmm. that you kind of, you don't really understand until you go through it. Now you were saying things that, uh, I mean, I've been through death before and you were saying things that resonated with me where you were like, it, it feels like my whole entire world's just like changed, like, and, and not in a, a cliche way, but you're like, it's almost like I've gone outside and everyone's talking a different language. And I'm yeah. like, I didn't get the memo. Like, when did this happen? It's, like- it's literally like now, since 
Ross has died, it's like I've had to draw a line under whatever I thought before, whatever I thought, the rules, the boundaries, the limitations, what judgment I had on certain situations, like, it's gone. Mm-hmm. All of it's gone because Ross is dead. Mm-hmm. And so nothing makes sense. Nothing that I thought makes sense yeah. makes sense. So it's like I have to, at the minute, I feel like I'm going through this transition period where I'm like, okay, just I'm allowing myself to, you know, like, I think people think I'm like never crying. So if I cry, I just don't cry for hours. I just, I, I, because I'm working on myself all the time, like, I just don't feel that I need to. Mm-hmm. But I think now it's like this time where I'm like, what does it mean? What does it mean for us now? Where am I at now? And I'm constantly like just reworking what that is now. And I think I'm sure that, you know, and, and certainly like you said as well, like you kind of got that. And I'm sure that's the case for a lot of people, but people don't talk about any of this stuff because we, we either, you know, like stiff up lip, just forget about it, don't talk about it. Or we just, we feel like we need to wrap it up and like it'd be fine after a bit. And I think someone said to me that grief particularly it doesn't go away and this totally makes sense to me and it's where I'm at but if you fill the rest of your life with good stuff it's almost like it seems smaller in comparison to the good stuff around it Completely. and that makes perfect sense uh-huh. to me like that's what I'm doing now can we sort of retrace the steps then and can you give us an idea of what your life was like with Ross before the diagnosis and then uh, what it was like when you yeah. got the diagnosis so me and Ross, we met, um, I was with someone else. We met on a job for PIMS. We were both doing, I was an actress and I used to do like promotional work. Mm-hmm. And Ross was pretty much only on that job because he was a massive shagger. <laughs> and he, he realized that fit girls do promotional work. Mm-hmm. And he went along to this interview and he was like, get me into this. Yeah. Like, You haven't gotten along with this guy. <laughs> Alcohol and women. He was like, it's this, basically yeah. your two best things. So we went, this, we went, he went both, both of us were paid to be at home. We were paid reserves. Both, both of us, someone cancelled the job and we had to get called in. So we were livid because I was getting paid to be at home originally mm-hmm. and then suddenly I had to go in. So we both like didn't want to be on the job. Both went on the job, met each other and there was just so many similarities in who we were. Like, it was weird. Like, if anyone had ever said this to me, I'd have been like, oh, cringe, like, love at first sight stuff. But we met and we were, like, fully equal straight away. And there was lots of, like, I grew up on television. So in a time when we didn't have social media. So I was on a platform before everyone's on a platform now. Like, and, you know, people knew about my life or had a say in it in that time. So I grew up like that on telly. His dad was a Villa player. His dad played for Villa and Sheffield Wednesday. So he had that sort of level of fame in a, in a weird way as well. So there was loads of similarities and we just got on. I mean, he will, he would have said, it's weird saying that now, but he would have said that I pulled him in his mind. <laughs> He'd read the game. Have yeah. you read the game? Yeah. yeah, I've read it as well. And so he read the game and so he was like, basically on this job this is how this is how he got into my head he someone went he was giving cuddles out on the bus what a cringer like he's giving, giving, cu- giving cuddles out to the girls right like yeah. right no, so I, i'm like so he didn't cuddle me right right and so someone went why didn't you cuddle holly and he went and i went don't cuddle me i ain't that tactile like and he didn't say you could cuddle me like or were like defensive about it and then he didn't, and I sat there, and in my mind, probably because of my ego, I'd have been like, why didn't he cuddle and me? That's like, what they call <laughs> the neg, 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 neg. totally the neg. negged me, right? Yeah. Um, so Genius. that's so clever, very good, excellent work. Um, so yeah, so we, we end, I moved to Coventry the next day. I left the person I was with and moved to Coventry. Like, just next to, day? 
I went back, I ain't about the cheating life. I went back and f broke up, that was a bad relationship anyway, but I broke up with him and went to Coventry, didn't tell anyone, thought I better work out if this is the real deal or what. Yeah. And we just kind of went, if it if it's crap, like, we just sack it, we'll just be straight with each other, like, just say it's shit, I'm not into it anymore. Mm. And we pretty much didn't leave each other's side since. About a week later, we got a, a rail in the house for me to hang my clothes on. That's when we knew it was like, <laughs> this is serious. Bring your toothbrush <laughs> and put your clothes on that rail. And we just like, we never, like jokes aside, we like his mate started calling us Rolly. His name was Ross. And we used to get called Rolly because we just used to potter about together. Like we used to just say like, those that play together, stay together, like have a laugh. And mm -hmm. like, we, so for me, like, you know, we spent, before Ross was diagnosed, we spent a lot of time together just, Potting around, both self-employed, did what we want. He had house, he did property, mm. and had his own football teamwear business. And um, so we just used to pot around together, doing you know drinking cups of tea, eating biscuits, and and having a laugh. And then became parents, and that was all a, a new journey. Mm. And then when he was diagnosed, which would have been about four years ago, it um you know it, it hit us like a ton of bricks. But we he still dealt with it in a really matter-of-fact way. Like I said to you earlier, Ross was on the autistic spectrum anyway, so it was black and white, I'm dead or I'm alive. There was no bollocks about it, there was no feeling sorry for himself, and that made it easier on everybody else around, because he didn't, he just got on with it. And you didn't hide it from the kids either, from what I've seen. The girls were really young when he was diagnosed, mm -hmm. so Texas was just one when mm -hmm. he was diagnosed, um, so obviously there was no like explanation to her. Brooke knew, but it was... It wasn't anything tangible because she was like really young and so brain cancer was a word, but Ross wasn't ill. Like that sounds a weird thing to say. You know, he had a scar on his head, but to them he was just dad with a scar on his head. He wasn't ill. Mm. Um, and even like when, when he died, you know, people mean well and they say the things, the cliched stuff that they say and like, at least he's not in pain. And I'm like, he wasn't in pain. Like we're talking like, we were in the Caribbean in May this year and within a month, he was dead. Like, it wasn't like a long process. Really? He wasn't ill. We were, we were in the Caribbean having a holiday, a normal holiday. And he came back two days later, had a seizure and went downhill from there. So there was, in lots of ways, you know, like, when we lucky talk, but I, I, I feel lucky. Like, his cancer was bad from the start. Mm -hmm. Like, he would fully say, it's just like, he's like, he would say like, well, I should be dead. Like. It's only because doctors have worked a little bit harder and that. He's like, I shouldn't be here. Like, there was never any, like, we understood how serious it was. And obviously you hope that it's not going to be the case. And, you know, we tried all the stuff. And yes, we tried cannabis before the people comment underneath. <laughs> yawn. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we tried everything and it, it, it wasn't enough, unfortunately. You know, sometimes it's just not enough. And, but, you know, we had, we were very clear with the kids, but the kids didn't really get it until really near the end like the last year so August hang on we'll be on yeah August last year he had his second brain surgery we had to explain to them then what was going on because obviously we didn't know whether he would survive that and we sort of talked through them but again it's it, it was weird three days after <laughs> the brain surgery he was wallpaper in Texas's bedroom you know like he, he didn't give a fuck he had bandages I mean he wasn't supposed to be mm. but he was the hardest bloke of him, like mentally the strongest bloke and not like a stiff upper lip or anything like that just like pure I'll do what the fuck I want like on every level and 
so the kids didn't really see it. It wasn't really until I had to say, Dad's going to die, that they really understood it, which is brutal, but that's how it was. Like, it just, it was quick. It, although it was four years, the, the end was really quick for them. Do you, well, you do feel lucky then. After, I do feel lucky. That, like I, I, for that. Honestly, genuinely, uh, people will look at my life and they'll put their own filter on it and they'll think, fuck. And I get it, because if somebody had told me my story, I'd go, shit, like, you've been through some shit. Like, I'm not stupid enough to not see that. But I don't feel like a victim. I don't feel sorry for myself. Like, not for one bit. Like, I've got nice things. I've got a nice life. I've got opportunity. I've got money in the bank. I've got a brain in my head that can create stuff. Like, I, I've got two kids. I might not have had any of that. You know, like, when Ross was diagnosed, I remember sitting, and I think I've mentioned this in a video before, but I remember sitting in the hospital and we were waiting for him to be scanned to see how bad shit was in case it was anywhere else. And we both sat there and we were like, and Ross always used to say like, just make good decisions. Make good decisions in life. Stop making, don't make shit decisions. Like think about what you're doing in that. And like, you know, don't get yourself in debt and fucking take too many drugs and don't fuck your life up. Like just make good decisions. Sounds obvious. And so many people fucking struggle with that though. But do you not like seriously used to say like, if you want to do it, stop fucking talking about doing it and just do it. And you know, like he's a man after me. Like now. proper, like straight. And we sat there and we just went, look, we've done enough of our lives that like we we got on top of our lives enough that if we sit here now, you know, we've got kids. First of all, that wouldn't have been an option. We've got kids. We've we've got property. We're, we're cool. If we sit here and do fuck all for a year, we'll be all right mm-hmm. financially and and all that. Like we'd still be all right. I mean, obviously we weren't going to do that, but we'd have been all right. And that was a really really amazing position to be in. And I never, you know, there's people that aren't at all in that position in that circumstance, and it just piles on the shit. That could happen to any of us at any time, and and it will. And if you've got other stuff on top of that, it's hard to cope with. I mean, I can't imagine it because we didn't have to. We'd we'd done enough to sort of keep on top of our lives before that. So I feel lucky, you know, like I really do. Like I don't. My brain keeps going back to the fact that you had that holiday just before. Yeah, that. He, he, yeah. he obviously took a turn for the worst. And I think to myself, God, like. Uh, how many people would love to have had that opportunity with their loved one before that happened? Do you look back at that holiday? It's it's hard to actually like. I find it hard to look at the photos because it feels like yesterday. It feels no time at all. But well, it wasn't, was it? it? It wasn't. And that holiday, our friend, um, my husband's mom's friend, lives out in Turks and Caicos, and she invited us out. And it's really weird because I think, and I'm not trying to like make out like there's some kind of psychicness, but I think there was something intuitively in me that knew there was something not right with Ross, Mm. even though there was no obvious signs Mm. because I cancelled two events that I was supposed to be doing to go to the Caribbean. I was supposed to be speaking at a um, women business in business event. And I just said, look, and I never do that. It wasn't, I wasn't paid to do it, but it was, I never cancel stuff. And I was like, just, we really need this holiday. Like it's a really amazing holiday. Like we're being given it, free pretty much just gonna pay for the flights and it'll be incredible and uh brooke my daughter was supposed to be doing some tv thing as well and i went you know what there's too much going on like i think she needs time with the family and and let's just let's knock it on the head and that was before we went and he was on the holiday a little bit more lethargic than normally he'd had a bit of a seizure on the plane which not like a drop on the floor seizure but he used to have these seizures where he would um like his voice would suddenly, like his brain wasn't connecting, so he just start saying like weird stuff. Mm-hmm. It was pretty bad to be honest, because on the plane they they were terrible. Mm-hmm. The British airways were pretty bad. 
You mean the, the, the airline? The airline, uh-huh. yeah. What, you, and what, what, what were you um, about? Because it was having a seizure as we were landing. Right. And I got up because I could sense it. I just used to... He had this weird, like, like almost like he was having a, a stroke look mm. on his face. His mouth would drop a bit. Mm. And I was like, Ross, you're all right. And then I, I moved Texas out of the way and the the um, air steward came up and she was like, you need to seatbelt. And I went, yeah, he's having a seizure. Like, I need to sit with him. And she went, okay. I actually went, he's having a seizure. He's got brain cancer. I need to sit with him. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. Or, like, you'd think they'd kind of be like, what can we do? She went, okay. And I was like, shit. It was really weird. So like, I, the, you know, but on the holiday itself, he was really good. And we had a nice holiday. We, you know, the, our friend that lives out there was amazing and you know she paid for us to go for like five star meal and like took the kids from us and we actually had a really amazing time and coming back it was Ross's 32nd birthday on the Thursday on the Wednesday we were sat me and the girls and we were writing 32 reasons why we love Ross why we love dad and they as I'm writing this, I mean, the, the poignancy of this is, like, not lost on me. Like, we were writing that, and I looked over, and he was sort of chattering, and I thought, is he on the phone to someone? And I thought, oh, my God, he's not. He's having a seizure. And the girls were obviously there, and the kids were amazing. Like, they just... They knew that when Dad has a seizure, we had we had already set out rules for what happens, mm-hmm. and it was to go and get, go and get the neighbours. They, they take themselves to the neighbour's house. So I went, Brooke, Daddy's having a seizure go next door so she went next door and, and got the neighbours and the kid, the kids were out the way so they didn't see it but it was from then like he didn't for me personally that's when we lost Ross like for everyone else they can pretend it was easier for them to pretend for longer but he was brain damaged from then like he wasn't you know he was it, at the start it was almost funny because he was saying weird stuff like the next day he was going, I'm going to London today, Anna, for squishy milkshakes. And mm. I was like, no, mate. And the nurses were like, is he going to London? And I was like, no, he's not going to mm. London. So for everyone else around, they could pretend for, you know, a good few weeks before he actually went really bad. Mm. But for me, I was like, you know, like even the hospice, you know, a lot of people go back to hospices and as much as it, it was as good an experience as a hospice can be, I have no emotional attachment to that hospice in terms of Ross. In my mind, Ross didn't go in the hospice. Like, it was a version of Ross, but it wasn't Ross. And so that's hard for me is to... It, is it, I'm trying to understand because I've, I've got very limited knowledge on what it's like to actually experience being around somebody who's having these problems. But the way you're describing them, it's almost like the um, the brain sort of disconnects a bit from... The, from the person yeah I think it's like it's almost like um, like dementia mm-hmm. so like you, bits of the brain are starting to go and for me when we told the girls it was really important for me to do it when we did and I'm so glad I did because he was still like lucid enough to be able to kind of be okay he could have a week later I could have said that and he could have said sandwiches embarked like mm-hmm. I, I can't that could have happened because there was no like his brain was just malfunctioning. Basically, by the end, there was lots of tumours all, all around his brain. Right. And so it was just affecting areas you couldn't anticipate. And so, yeah, it, it was just... It, it was a weird thing, like, because I'd gone from, like... When I met Ross, like, he was so on, on the ball. Like, he's the most... Like, he's the person that you would rely on the most for anything. Like, mm-hmm. if you needed something done, you'd, you'd get Ross to do it. Anything organised. Like, so it was a really weird thing for me to suddenly not trust his judgment on anything because at the start he was still talking 
and um, you know he thought he was fine and the doctors had to say Ross I'm really sorry but you're not going to be saying anything that's right from now and and at the start I mean for him imagine that imagine someone saying to you you can no longer trust your own brain because you still think you're right Mm -hmm. and so the start for me when he came out of the hospital initially was really hard because I knew that he was like this walking all over the place and yet he wanted to go upstairs and our stairs are like badly steep and I was like Ross you can't go upstairs mate like you can't and he was like like why can't I go upstairs I can go upstairs and then he'd get upstairs and like you know I'm like seven stone and something and like five one I'm a miniature person <laughs> like as hard as I think I am in my head that's just the Geordie in me it, it, it I'm not going to be able to you know lift a dead weight which is what I was doing in the end like in fact when he came back and before he we went into the hospice and I was the one looking after him and we had carers but you know, they were like coming in a couple of times a day and making cups of tea and I just hated every second of it, quite frankly, because I just, it was like having slaves and just like they couldn't do anything to help Ross. And, you know, I was physically having to lift Ross, like being on the bed, pulling him up and like actually having to move him. And he was a very big bloke as Yeah, well. I mean, six foot yeah. and, you know, I mean, he went, he was a skinny lad, but he... He was tall, wasn't he? Tall. And massive for you to be Massive for me. Like, it doesn't, you know, it's hard enough for me lifting the kids, never mind a man. Uh-huh. And when I told, when the, the nurse came out on the day before we went in the hospice and I was explaining what I was doing, the nurse burst into tears and she was like, this is ridiculous. Like, I'm, I'm, we're waiting for a disaster to happen. Like, you're going to get hurt. You're, he's going to get hurt. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, he wouldn't let anybody else near him because... Um, I was the one that he trusted to be near him and to, to help him. And so it was just that being at home was the hardest point because it was just, I mean, me and Ross, like, were the most open couple in the world. Like, there was not a thing that I hadn't, you know, whatever. I, we're not bothered about You're anything. We're, yeah, but we're the most open couple on everything and not bothered about anything. But there's a difference when someone needs you to do something and someone messing about and joking and, and suddenly you're doing stuff like... Yeah. I mean, he used to joke. I mean, this is how just, like, awful he would be about stuff. He, there was no boundaries on stuff. Like, he was talking about euthanasia, like, when he was, like, first diagnosed. Like, just kill me off. Mm-hmm. On the way to his second surgery, he went to me. I just, and this stuck in my head, and I think I've mentioned this in videos before, but he just went, I just, if I'm, like, fucked after this, like, this surgery, like, just kill me like take me somewhere and kill me some people couldn't I mean don't get me wrong that's the worst thing it's not a nice thing to hear but I know like how honest he was and he said to me I just don't want you fucking feeding me yogurt I don't want that Mm. and in the hospice I was feeding him yogurt and for me like you know as much as I'd be like it's kind of funny because Ross would laugh at it I'm like I found that hard and the doctors had to say it to me because I said that to them and they were like but it's not this is a different version of Ross now Ross just needs you to do what you got to do like he doesn't need you to be what you were for him before and that was different that was but but he would be ruthless on all of that like he wouldn't you know he would say to me like when he was fine he'd be like he'd like he'd be lying in bed and he'd be like oh put my socks on for me put my pants on for me this is what you're gonna have to do when I'm fucked like and we would joke about that stuff. We'd be like, just fucking lift me up. And I'd be like yeah. doing it as a joke. But it's a big difference when someone's like... For real. As, as like brutal as our conversations yeah. would be. And, and to be honest, I don't think there's many people that could stomach living with someone with autism who's going through that because there's no boundaries to like what they will say. 
you know, his mum, bless her, she's like the loveliest woman in the world, hard for you, you know, hard for a mum to hear their son say, I'll be dead soon, mm. you know. It takes away a lot of your decisions, I guess, as well, because when you've got yeah. the decision to joke about it, that's great. But if you have 100%. that decision taken away, so what was that like for you? You talk a lot about him, obviously. Yeah. Um, what about you going through that? As a wife watching the husband sort of lose what made him him, maybe? Yeah, I think it was it was a real adjustment at every stage. Like, when he was first diagnosed, the biggest thing was the driving thing. And suddenly our roles reversed. Like, our ro- roles were different. And, like. and that was hard because, like, not that we had traditional roles, because we didn't, but there was definitely certain things like cars and... Um, like DIY stuff and things like that, that he, you know, there was blokey stuff that I wasn't that bothered about and he would do. And then suddenly it's like, I've got to drive him about. Yeah. And he hated, that was the biggest contentious thing in our relationship in the end. And, you know, realistically, like there were times when he got in the car, like, I ain't going to stop him doing that. Like, I ain't going to stop him doing that. Like, what I had to realise is like, from the start, I was trying to like go right you've got to eat this and you've got to do this and maybe you could do it this way and you could do it that way and like doing how I would do it and I had to realize that's not who Ross is and it wasn't just my journey like it wasn't my journey that bit that was how and I had to sort of let go of that of trying to control it and go Ross will decide how this runs and if he doesn't want to do it he doesn't have to do it like when you're describing this it's like it feels like like a superhero who's lost his powers a little bit, like in in a way, like you're having to sort of. He's he's a, a normal person now. Do you know what I mean? I know, it like, because he was from everything you've described and what I've watched in the videos. Like, he's a pretty cool guy. He had a lot about him, and then now all of a sudden, you're having to take the lead on a lot of things. It was like, I mean, for for a long time, it was easy to like not notice. That. I mean, other people around maybe saw me filling gaps for him and there was definitely near the end weirdly because we were we always said like when we met we were both lone wolves who managed to live with each other and get on like we were so self-sufficient like I'm the most independent person and so was he and when we lived in a house together it was like I'm doing the washing you'll do it wrong I'm doing the washing like it was not the normal it was like we had to learn to allow each other to do stuff because we were just so like self-motivated There's not many women around like that is the lot <laughs> I'm, no, I'm doing the washing alright <laughs> you crack on I'll like see you, you later <laughs> yeah but he had rules with the yeah. washing like serious rules oh, like yeah. one of the rules was and they'll just impart this wisdom on you because it's it's important socks should never ever from being and being put on or taken off be more than a foot away from each other oh wow ever that's the autism coming out big time a good rule i mean there it was, really helps if he like we used to joke like because of the, the autistic side like if he was putting washing on the clothes horse it would take him 45 minutes mm-hmm. it'd be perfection it'd be work of art and I mean, we joked about it. Like we, he knew, like how bad that side was. Like we'd learned, we'd seen counsellors about his autism and stuff, and tried to sort of work through that for him because he was diagnosed at twenty six, so it was it was late on for him. Really late to be diagnosed. We weren't really the era, though, were we? Of like people yeah. being noticed. It was just, and because he wasn't unconfident, he was the opposite extreme. Like no boundaries. Hilarious, <laughs> funny as anything for me. Like, and I'd have to like pretend that I was like bothered by it and play like like apologise for yeah, him it's such a even skit. though secretly you're like that's so funny <laughs> he loved it though it was such a skit because he'd like he just liked the idea of me being like oh Ross don't do that inside I'm like it's funny as well keep doing it it's really funny did Tell you did, did you think he learned to cover it up because a lot of people with yes. autism sort of yeah. learn and that's why a lot of, I he mean, learned a, of we used to say like he 
it was good for him to go out with an actor because like obviously actors are pretty much we have less boundaries and we're so like you play your roles we play roles mm. and, and, and he had a script and like we used to joke about it because there would be certain things conversations that we repeated on loop and like just scared like jokes and stuff but we would repeat and if I'd said it different he'd go mm, you're saying that different how you not can you just do it how you're supposed to do it and then we'll be fine about it <laughs> but then in a weird like way that sort of backfires on me now because wherever we used to go and wherever I go where we would be together which was pretty much everywhere but like certain like going to Ikea and I did a video about this every week um, I know what he would say at every stage I know going into Newcastle I know that going across the time bridge he'd be going oi we're in the tune go and get yourself a shirt oi like that across the time bridge every time yeah. I'm like yeah I've heard that one before I say like said that last time but he said that last time but he would say like everything would be on, on loop so yeah I mean definitely he, he sort of masked it he masked it with confidence and bravado and like being the one that said the harsher joke quicker yeah. and so people couldn't really like they just it was just our oh, Ross he's just like he's rude like he just says the wrong thing like but then once we actually when he was diagnosed he was really relieved because he was like see <laughs> like told you told you there was yeah. something mm-hmm. <laughs> but like that didn't make any difference it just meant that we I just learned to speak autistic language yeah. which makes it weird now because then people would be like how long are you going to be and I'll be like mm, approximately seven and a half minutes mm-hmm. and they'll be like Okay, so 10. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I'm like, yeah, but if I'd said that to Ross, it'd have been like 10 minutes precisely then. And I'm like, mm, no, but it's weird. Like, I just learned to speak like that. But I think as his brain started to, te- to deteriorate, as he got ill near the end, even really in the last year, I could probably say it if I look back, it's just that I was close enough to it that I probably didn't notice it as much. There was definitely like the signs, the, the autistic traits got worse. So the, the level of control in his environment got worse. And obviously now, looking back, that was obviously the tumour growing and kind of pushing on areas and, and affecting things as well. So he started to want me there all, like all of the time, needed to be around. And although we would joke about him because we were used to being together, actually looking at that now, there was a level of him needing me to be there, like to sort of coax him through the day. Like I just used to be... I mean, we, we're lucky in the fact that our work meant that we could do that and we could just be together and you know that now that he's not here I'm glad that we had that time but there was definitely that sort of side of me having to be around all the time to just go come on Rossi come on flower let's get moving would you so would you share do you think he shared a lot of that with you the emotional side of losing that function or it was are you were you not that kind of couple we talked about there's not a conversation I don't think we, we we didn't have and as much as this is hard for people to understand he wasn't sad at all about it it's really a weird thing but when me and Ross met he used to say I'll be dead by the time I'm 30 that's a weird thing to say yeah but he was like, I probably fucking will be. He used to say to me all the time, I'm due a funeral. Who says that? <laughs> I'm due one of them. Like, I'd, he just saw life scientifically. Like, you know, just evolution. Matter of fact. Matter of fact. Like, at his funeral, the funeral was pretty amazing. And the, the woman was like a, what do you call him? A, um, humanist. Humanist, that's yeah. the one. Humanist funeral. And we, you know, we really, like, had his story in it. And it was so, like, true. Like, everything was just about, like, it was matter of fact. And I think there was a bit in the funeral where she said, and I I can't remember exactly what it was, but she was saying, you know, for Ross, there was no more reason for him to have cancer than a leaf that falls off the tree being the leaf that falls off the tree. And that is it. And, And we saw life like that. And so, for me, 
you know, Ross dying in the hospice, it's really a weird way because I don't have God, I don't believe in any of that stuff. I believe in science and I believe in energy like because it's not really something you can't not believe in. But like I, I never had that attachment to Ross's body in the same way that people might. So for me, it was it was like science. Like I was like, I detached from Ross being that the person that I was sort of feeding and, and by the end, just his body. Like as matter of fact as that is, and it's hard for people to understand, I detached from that and, and allowed that I'd lost Ross a month ago and that this was his body doing what bodies are supposed to do and breaking down. And did you, uh, I think we've all, all of us have lost someone close to us, but I think some people deal with grief in that way, don't they? Um, how was was that the way that everyone around him approached that? Because that, that's not always my experience with people who grieve. It's a rare, they, it's a rare attitude to take, isn't it? I think yeah. it's yeah, it's, it's a way of coping so. in a way. Yeah, I think so. And and I was also advised by people who think like me to detach. Like I got actively detached from that. It wasn't because it emotionally you don't need to like we sort of said this in the way but you don't need to feel all the feels all of the time you don't have to put yourself through that and this is something that I I teach people now is that like um, it's not about being like not in touch with your emotions it's just that self-preservation in some instances you need to detach from it it's healthy some people feel the need after a death I think to to press the self-destruct button and I've done that a bit in my time and I realised I was like why am I doing this? Is it a tribute act to the fact that how much this person meant to us? Yeah. I don't have to destroy my life to prove to everyone and myself how much I love that person. But there is a performative side to it, though. No, it's uh, to grief, isn't it? I That's the weird I, thing. I, I think people. there is as well. And, yeah. and I find, I, I mean, we, I, sounds, I'm not like trying to put this on myself, but because we were really together as a close-knit family in the hospice, I got to, and, and because people respected how me and Ross were together and, and knew how close we were and knew that, like I knew Ross like inside out and I knew what he would think it was almost like people would come to me and say but what would Ross think about this and I would say like I I know what Ross would think about it because we've spoke endlessly about life and death and what we you're asking me that question I'm not asking you that question yeah there's the answer to that because I fucking know yeah that's what do you know what I mean I mean that that is it like Mm. and I think everyone sort of I think when I started to talk about the stuff that I believe in like it kind of I think it helped the people around me because they could have went into what you think grief is supposed to be like that the performative aspect to it and I definitely think there is that for some people that they feel they need to be like wailing and wearing a black veil and, and stuff and I've seen I, people at funerals before uh, acting like I'm like you barely even like the person oh, don't what, get, even yeah, being here yeah, for a start oh, mate. I don't I know I, I'm like, you and literally the people who know them the least want to grieve the most in front <clears> of you and I'm like it's not like I think there was a point and I sat and I, you know, I do self-development myself. I, you know, like a life coach myself. And I sat there and I thought I was, because there was so much in the press about what was happening. And, and, you know, I know I'd put myself out there. So that's, that's on me. But there was so much like eyes on me. What's she going to do next? What's going to happen next? That I sat and I I was sort of second guessing myself a little bit. And I, I had to sit there and think, you don't live your life the same as anybody else in any aspect. There's not a thing that you do that is normal, like sort of normal way of working, normal way of living. Why the fuck do you think you're going to do this any like the same as everybody else? And I had to sit there and think, just fucking do it how you want to do it. Mm-hmm. Like put your fucking makeup on, get dressed, meditate, fucking put your videos out, laugh, do what you need to do because I know that Ross would have done the same and that's just the way I, I thought of it. And I think that sort of attitude from me helped others around me to sort of 
allow them off the hook, like, and, and not like don't cry because I cried as well openly. Mm-hmm. I, 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 You've got to take control of the situation at some point, and you just happen to do it prior to his, de- to his yeah. death, which is unusual. But as you say, and I back this up because I've watched your videos and I watched them as you were making them. Uh, that that was one thing that hit me is you had. S- I don't know if detached is the right word, but you'd, you'd accepted what was about to happen for sure. And that's probably why you were so much more together and your mind was so mapped out and clear. Of, you you were saying things which blew me away, like, um, you know, um, you were talking about the children and you, you said at one point, um, we are going to be better people for this experience. And I'm not saying that that means that we're going to be rainbows and sunshine because at every milestone in, in um, your children's lives, there's also always going to be that little grey cloud where, where we're thinking, it'd be nicer if Dad was here, but we are going to be better people for this because we're going to learn to appreciate each other more, et cetera, et cetera. And I just thought, what a deep uh, forward-thinking thing that was to say in the midst of... Uh, pain think, and suffering. I think we'd all, like, I mean, we... Ross said it when before surgery the second time and he said I mean we'd been together nine years and he went it won't seem enough like it on paper that doesn't reflect who we've been as a couple Mm. and I totally understand that it's almost like and Ross's life was full like really full at 32 what he had done and the experiences that he'd had I don't mean like any big like fucking mountain trek but he'd lived his life and He'd barely, you know, he'd never, didn't do it nine to five. He'd done the, what the fuck he wanted every day because he grafted his arse off at the start to be able to do that. And he took some risks and, and he did some stuff. And he used to say to me, and we actually put it on the, the funeral cards, he said, just tell him I was all right. Tell him I was a good bloke. Like, I was happy. Like, I, I enjoyed my life. He said in the last year, he said categorically to me, when I die, I'm happy. I'm, I'm happy with what I've done. I've done what I wanted to do. And I don't think at 32, many people could say that. I don't think many people could be. And so for me, that gives me a level of comfort to go, do you know what, sometimes people just come here and they've got, they, they do their thing and then that's it. That, there's, there's no more than that. They don't get that for life. But what we had as a couple in that short time and, and we appreciated it. Like we used to say like, I'd bank moments. I'd like in my head, I would like, it would actually be a thing I would think about. And it wouldn't be the big moments. It wouldn't be the big party or the big, Event, it would be sat watching telly. And I just, for a minute, I would just take myself out of it and think, we might not get this again. And that might seem like a a horrible thought and you should be thinking hopefully all the time, but I would just acknowledge how fucking lucky I was to have it in the moment. I view that as like a petrol tank, like you're almost like filling up for later and then you're going to use that to sort of travel off of. Do you know what I mean? That makes sense, yeah. That makes sense. Oh, I've had sort of stuff like that. I've done those things before as well. You just got to kind of... And I would take... I mean, I, you know, you if you followed me on Instagram or whatever, you do follow me on Instagram, don't you? Holly Matthews 84 <laughs> Just uh, links just are in the description. Saying, yeah, thanks. All of your stuff's in the description, by the Wicked, way. So they can cool. uh, check you out. And if you follow me on there, you know, I take pictures of everything and, mm-hmm. and I'm glad. And I, and I did it purposefully. Like, there was moments I talk that were non-descript moments, but they weren't nondescript to me. They were like things like, it could have been like, you know, the kids painting the walls of the house with Ross. And there was part of me that understood that we might not get that again. And that at any stage we might not have Ross. And so I would take a photograph of it and think the girls will need this. And even like when Ross was dying near the end, I took photographs. And honestly, 
the photographs I can I can't look at now, like because he was not Ross, and I can tell, like I can tell. But when the girls are older, it would just be a picture of them with dad smiling, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what I, doesn't. what my filter is on that. And I told and he would want them to have that. Yeah, and you know, I mean, there was a time two weeks before Ross died in the hospice, I stopped the girls coming in because it was too much, and I couldn't. You know, there's they just didn't need to see it. Mm-hmm. They don't. You don't need to see that. There was a moment you described to me on the way in where you said um, you were on the way to Boots and you had to buy. Um, you know, nappies firm, and you were like, "What the fuck am I doing?" Yeah, and and you you had that was one of your hardest moments by the sound. Yeah, I, and I and I haven't put that. It was a, I made a video of it, and I said to you, I, I've made videos that I didn't I haven't put out, and I might at some point, but I made them for myself to make sense of it at some point and how the the darkest moments. Mm. And again, there was probably a level of me going, maybe the girls need this at some point, maybe someone else will make sense of what they're going through with this and I just want to put it out there. I didn't want it to be out there then because I couldn't have dealt with people seeing that at that time. I don't need to bear everything. But there was a a video that I made, it was the night before we went into the hospice and suddenly he suddenly became incontinent and that wasn't something that had happened. Suddenly it happened one night and it was quite late and I was on my own and the kids were asleep and I was like, oh, shit, like I can't lift him. Like I was actually like fully having to lift him. He was falling on me. He was pissing the bed. And I was just like, and, and I phoned his mate and I said, look, Jake, he lives ne- like near us. Like, can you come round please? His best mate. And he came round and I said, just need to go any home buy him nappies. It was like the last like 10 minutes before the store closed, I'm like darting into boots. And I'm in the middle of boots buying nappies and like um, thing you want to be put on the bed and whatever. And I sat in the car afterwards. It was raining. I'm sat in the car. It's dark. I'm sitting there with nappies and I'm looking at like next where we'd been, you know, the month previously buying house stuff. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, what is happening here? Like, I'm sat here buying nappies for my husband who's like pissing and shit in the bed. Like. What? What? Like, how is that? How did you make sense of that? And the next day was like the. I mean, I, I went back and got him sorted and stuff. And the, the next day was the day when I went. I need some help. Like, I can't. I, I'm not. I'm not helping him here. He's uncomfortable. Like, I, I'm not. It's not like Ross had never been been like. Oh, I need to be at home when I die. And he was like, "What the fuck? Just do what you need to do." Like, mm-hmm. he didn't see it like that. There was no sort of nostalgic like I need to be here and like you know there was nothing like that and so I just thought you know what if he's there he's going to be comfortable and I can actually be his wife maybe for a week or so and that kind of did happen because I didn't have to change his nappy and have to wipe his ass from I didn't have to try and get him take tablets which became again an issue and when he was still lucid enough to argue with me he wouldn't take tablets and they were like he needed to take them and we'd spend most of the day me going, Rossi, please take the tablet, please. And I couldn't get him to take them. And it was just distressing. It was really distressing. And so getting him in the hospice, even though, you know, he wasn't, he was there a month and he became like sleepy and then died. It, it gave me at least a week where I could at least maybe say things, even though I know it wasn't fully him. There was moments when he had like a bit of him left. And so we'd have conversations and, you know, that was enough for me to make peace with stuff in my head, I think. Just to sort of, yeah. Can you, um, were you like there when he died? And mm. so can you tell we, us what that was like? Yeah, so the, the morning of it, we had an amazing nurse that was there all through the night and stuff with me. Um, and she'd been great. And I'd actually, when we first came in, I, I was getting quite panicky <clears> because 
I didn't know, and, and people might not get this, but I was Googling what the stages of death are. Like, mm-hmm. it's like, what happens to people's body? Like, how does it break down? How am I going to know? Is he just going to... I was asleep in the room with him, so they allowed me to stay over. Every, I was there every night, every second, like, because I, that, I needed that. Like, I needed to be there. Like, for me, it was like, that was important. And so I'm lying in the bed, and I was thinking... This was like the first week. I was like, is he going to... And then they, the nurses kind of spoke to me and said, actually, we know when people are going to die. Usually we kind of know when it's going to happen. We can tell by their breathing. We can tell by certain things. Their body does certain things and he's not quite there. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, and let me sleep. And then on the day that he his breathing was... I mean, he hadn't eaten for two weeks. I mean, that for me was hard because Ross wasn't a big guy, like... And he got the biggest beer, like, well put your beer to shame. like, it, And it was, like, massive. And I kept saying, he fucking love this if he saw this. <laughs> fucking loving this. He's like a rock star. Mm-hmm. And um, that actually helped because we couldn't see how skinny he was, to be right. honest. That was really distressing because you're just watching somebody starve to death. Mm-hmm. Like, and so he was really skinny and he was just, he'd been asleep for about a week and a half and he was just breathing. And then his breathing was just rattling. And death rattle they call it and he was doing that and in the morning the nurse had been chatting with her for a bit and she'd been in the room for about half an hour and she his mum was actually staying at the hospice as well they had these like flats and um the nurse said i think it's time to get mum i think i'm not sure but i think and then i phoned her and got her over and then we phoned his dad and his sister and his brother's a footballer plays for doncaster and his brother it was on the, the Saturday, so it was a football day, although it was pre-season, so he just had, like, he had one game. But we rang him, we said, like, do you want to be here or have you made peace? Like, and he was like, I'm going to play 45 minutes, I'll come off and at half-time and I'll come, but I don't need to be there. And he'd kind of made peace with that. And um, so we were all there. And in the morning, he took what we thought were his last his last breath, mm-hmm. and he stopped, and it's really weird because they, they can sometimes stop looks like they've stopped breathing for like a, like a minute and you're like that's it and then they take another breath and you're like oh my god and so he did that and the nurse rushed me and, and we got there and his mum and I went I think I think that might be it and then he his mum kind of like did what mum's doing was like come on Ross and he breathed again and then he took this one last breath and then for the rest of the day he was just breathing like normal so we were like okay so maybe it's not it yet and Weirdly, like you know, like sort of gallows humor and that, like where you like start laughing about stupid stuff. The rest of the day, because his dad, his dad went after about an hour. He went, Dion, that's his his moment. I don't know what you did there to bring him back. <laughs> and I'm so going, sure yeah. So I'm going, all right, Jesus, fucking <laughs> hell. Yeah. I'm like, oh, it's how you find humor in so situations weird. We were like sat that. like taking the mick out of her corner uh-huh. of the Messiah for the rest of the day. Like, yeah. I mean, that is messed up. Like, but you need that. You have to. And then when he died, we. I'd actually gone out the room for the first time, like for about a fucking week, mm. and went to go and eat something. And his sister was sat next to him. And then suddenly the alarms went off and I'd only been out there about 10 minutes and the nurses ran me in and we got in and he basically talked about two or three breaths as I was there. And we got there, we were all there. And his sister afterwards was like, I just said I loved him. <laughs> I just like, I think I've killed him. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we, it was, I, I mean, nice isn't the word, but it was, it was what it was. And by then for me, I just wanted it to be over for him. Like, I'm not going to... Like, for the the weeks prior to that, 
you know, I think I did say this, it's a weird, messed up headspace to be in that you're like clinging to them, wanting them to be there, but then equally like just like, oh, it's enough now. Like, and at that end, I was, you know, just saying like, it's, you know, mum's instinct, mum's want to go. And I I can't understand his mum's journey because it's too painful for me to even, as a mum, even get into that headspace mm. because that's your child. It's not the right order of things. Yeah, and that's supposed to happen like So it's that. not supposed to happen that way. And so I can't even contemplate that. But, you know, as a mum, she's like saying what mums say, you know, just don't go. And I was saying, it's enough, like, it's okay. We can go now, like, and... You know, it, it was just a weird thing because it was just a nothing thing. Like, I, I know that sounds a, a weird thing, but it was just like, okay, that's it. As in, some people would imagine it to be like the movie moment, whereas mm. the reality is a lot more normal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, I mean, we, it sounds a, a strange thing, I guess, but on the day, I packed all my bags up because I didn't want to do that after. I didn't want to be like packing stuff up. Like, as if, like, let's take the pictures. I right, yeah. It sent so much stuff. And, mm. like, I didn't want to be, like, doing that then. So I did it early on and got everything out that I need. So I didn't have to be, like... It's just as a weird thing. We'd been there a month. Like, we'd lived there. There was stuff there. And it was, like, clearing his stuff up. And, and, and doing that was just weird. So we did it all before. And then, yeah, then they just kind of say to you, like, what, you know, what do you want them to be wearing and stuff? And, like... And he had he already had his Chef Wednesday shirt on, and I was like, just that. Like, it's weird. Like, I'd, I'd detached from that being Ross. I mean, even at the funeral and stuff, like, you know, people, it's kind of weird, isn't it? In our culture, we put so much scope on their body, and it's like, that's not who they are. Like, to me, that's not who they are. It's just mm. the, the vessel. That that's what hit me when I first seen a dead body. I was always like, wow, like, uh, this isn't the real person, actually. Yeah. And it's, but then it leads you to sort of question things in your head of the spirits existing because it, 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 it and and I know we could talk about this for hours but it, for me this is the way I felt it was like God it really does feel like the 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 spirit has left the body like the way they're just just that energy goes mm. I guess like they're just that's that they're not there like it was we're like talking to the girls about it, and I'm so glad that we spoke about a lot of like life and death stuff before. I mean, Disney opens up that conversation because there's a lot of death in Disney and a lot mm. of parents die in Disney films. It's really dark. It's yeah. so dark. And so, like, <laughs> the kids have always sort of spoken about that stuff. And I'm really glad that like, they knew. I mean, the kids knew I didn't believe in God. I couldn't bullshit them and say that afterwards. Mm. And But if they had said to me, mm. I believe Dad goes to heaven, I'd have went with it. But what Brooke said, and it's, like, the most poignant thing ever, she just said, and she said this initially, not with Ross, with my grandma died at the beginning of the year. And it was almost like a a precursor to what might happen and I kind of like knew that that this might be you know their first this is their first experience of death and she said I said what do you think happens so I always ask the girls stuff and I'm like what do you think happens when people die and Brooke just said Brooke's sick she said I just think that when people die the love that's in them just goes into all the people that are left behind and then you, they just live on in the love and I was like that's pretty It's a pretty nice thing to say, isn't I was it? Like, I bet you were choked up yeah. as fuck. I was like, you? I'll go with that. That would kill me if yeah. a kid said that to me. I'd just be like, yeah, that's, that's well, Texas, perfect. <laughs> yeah, Texas once said now. something like that. Well, yeah. She said, she said, um, this was, again, it was it was ages ago, about a week, year and a half ago, whatever, and Texas just said, Mom, when people die, and Texas was four, three, maybe at the time, she just went, when people die, where does the love go? Mm. She said, like, I was like, oh, my God, like, shit, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, I mean, kids, kids just are, they say exactly what they think, and they've, I mean, that's that cuts the crap in itself because I can't 
lie like I'm not gonna lie to kids and I've always promised I will never lie to them about this stuff like I will be completely honest in the best way that I can but they've trusted me with that you know when Ross went into the hospice Brooke said mum would dad be coming home and I said no darling and she said so will he die in here and I said yeah he will and then two days before he died she said she rang me she skyped me and she went, Mum, I really, really miss you. Like, I mean, for them, it was like, I hadn't been there either. They were being with my sister or with mm-hmm. Ross's dad. or And uh, she said, I really, really miss you. But I know that when you come home, it means that Dad's dead, doesn't it? Mm. And I said, yeah, it does. And actually, as brutal as that was, when I did have to come home and tell them, walking through the door I mean I spoke to and I've talked about this but I spoke to Jeff Brazier Jade Goody's um, ex-partner I spoke to him initially when I was going to tell the girls and I got his sort of thoughts I mean I didn't know I didn't know Jeff before we'd met at some show years ago but because he talks about grief I'd followed him on Twitter and he does life coaching and stuff so I'd kind of seen what he was talking about and we'd maybe tweeted back and forth and then he just said let me give you a call when I was in the hospital and we spoke and then on the day I was telling the girls that he died he just kind of we spoke like before that and he just said make it a special day he said make it you know if you can get balloons if you can get he was like make it something that it's not this frightening thing and I told them we had had a cry we had biscuits and then we sat down and we said Brooke said can I can we draw some pictures of daddy and I said let's do that and so we got all the crafts and arts out and we drew pictures and we just got on with it and it you know it was that's kids way of dealing with it and for me like children's drawings are really telling of how they feel and so Brooke had drawn all the family everybody like and it was all brightly coloured which again is a good sign like for drawings it was all positive and everyone was smiling and she'd drawn Ross but Ross was just slightly away from everybody and I think that's and I've I've kept that because I think at some point she'll look at that and understand that was like directly after what had happened. One video you made recently was um, titled My Daughter Told Me She Hates Me and, and I, I thought oh we're at that stage now. Oh we're, we're at that stage. Yeah because obviously yeah. they go through that but when you were talking I could tell it hurt you a little bit but I, but you rationalised it perfectly but what just for people who haven't seen it what, what so was that like? Basically I mean again Jeff Brazier had said to me they'll say things like that mm-hmm. and, and I guess that sort of protected me a little bit because I knew that would come up mm. I mean kids say it anyway and sort of six seven year old kids are starting to get that stage I mean I remember when Brooke was like four and she said to me one day I hate you I want another mummy <laughs> no I want another mother she yeah. said and I went alright yeah, that's really formal yeah that's what <laughs> I said I went can I right. send an application I'm for another mother I've collected all the cereal packets I just <laughs> went like this I just went yeah well it's you know this ain't a fairy tale this well, is alright Hansel and girl. Yeah. daughters and their mothers for a start are not notorious <laughs> for that type of talk anyway, I left home many times as a and they are March yeah. it's all dramatic yeah, like, exactly, you wrote a letter yeah. you and then left it they didn't even notice yeah. it I'm yeah. just out in the garden <laughs> yeah in the tent they can always see you that's what you don't know is when you're leaving and home your parents are absolutely parent, laughing yeah, their heads yeah, off yeah they're yeah. literally like look at him he's out there with his little stick in his bag what a weirdo <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like yeah, all dramatic and like oh, film, filmic yeah. about it mm. yeah no she um I mean, Brooke had... We've actually turned a corner in the last week, and we still have it, but, I mean, some of it's just normal kid stuff, and it's exactly. it's kind of me 
recognize and when it's frustration because of things that I mean it's not just directly like all right Ross's dad died but everything's changed for the girls they moved schools we bought a new house we got a new car because we our car was a disability it was a mortability vehicle Mm -hmm. so I had to give that straight back like and then buy another car I mean don't get wrong I don't feel sorry for myself I got another car it's like western world problems I'm not I'm I'm it is what it is it's one of those things but for the girls it was like everything changed which has been good in lots of ways because it it's not like we're pretending the life is the same but also that's really unsettling and so there's it's not just dad's not here it's everything's unsettled and yeah so the day that Brooke was I mean she's still I mean yes the other day she said I mean she go mad at me for telling you this because she was, I won't tell anyone don't tell me she doesn't watch she, she won't watch this, watch this no, no. She, not yet no. she will wonder yeah. she will wonder she'll be like mum she'll kill me why did you wear um, that t-shirt yeah why did you wear that? what were you wearing mum <laughs> who did you think you were um, yeah so she the other day she was like one day I'm going to bite you and I'm going to kick you and that's it that's what's going to happen <laughs> and I hate you and I went alright okay well I always say there's consequences to your actions, so do what you got to do. Exactly. I say the same to Brian when he says that. Too. Do you? There's consequences. <laughs> there's consequences to your actions, Brian. You bite me, you yeah. hit me, and... I bite you and I kick you. Yeah, and there will be consequences. Exactly. We've had very similar conversations. Have you? Yeah, legit. I see. I've sensed that mother-daughter relationship. Yeah, I suppose that's <laughs> yeah. finally what we've... We've finally realised we are in this situation. Yeah. Normally it's unusual, though, because normally yeah. the mother has bigger boobs than the daughter, but that's it. Um, so, yeah. but what is interesting about that is also there are two girls who have lost a dad, yeah. and I know um other people lost a dad to cancer um and th- I, they found that particularly painful because it was later on in their life mm. are you glad in a way that they lost their father when they were quite young so it becomes a bit more normal I, I guess there is an element of that I, I guess I mean I suppose there's always that and I, I guess it, it may be me uh, imposing my own thoughts on it but you start thinking about the future and you start thinking oh they won't have this with him but yeah. But I try not to think of that because I just think, well, then that's their reality. You know, that, that is what it is. Like, I can't change that about what's happened. And, I mean, they've both dealt with it in different ways. And they were very close to Ross. Like, mm-hmm. Ross always wanted girls. Like, it wasn't like he wanted boys. He always wanted girls. To be fair, he did used to say, girls look after you later in life. Obviously, that wasn't the case for him. But Do you have he, any sisters or anything? Is yeah, he's okay. a brother and a sister. Right. So his brother is a young... I mean, it's, it's very, very hard for his brother because for... Ross was the man about the family. Like, he was, like, in control of stuff. Probably too much for them. Comes across when you talk about it. And he was, like, you know, he looked after them. He did. And and for his brother, he was almost like a father figure to him. He was a mentor. Like, Matty's a darling, and he'll laugh at me when he watches this, but he's a darling. We, we, You know, sometimes footballers aren't the brightest. (laughs) Love you, Matty. So his big brother Um, guided him. So Ross would tell him off all of the time, and so I think, actually, it's weird. His group of mates, like, where I'm in a... It makes me sound like such a lad, but I'm in a lads group chat on WhatsApp from when Ross was ill, but the lads are all, like, one of the things that they miss the most is being told off. They're like, you know, one of his mates posted in the group chat the other day. He'd put a Facebook, you know, obviously Facebook comes up with memories and stuff. And he'd, um, there was a, a Facebook where he'd been like really soppy about his missus, like going to get married soon or it was all like that. And Ross had just put you soppy cunt underneath <laughs> and like absolutely slammed him. And he put this in the group chat. And he was like, who's going to keep us in check? Mm-hmm. Like, who's going to sort us now? And his brother particularly is feeling that, you know, like after a football match, 
he'd ring Ross and Ross would absolutely dissect the game and be like like absolutely slam him on everything Ross would pick his football boots for him like he would do because Ross was a football boot nerd mm-hmm. like and football kit stuff and so all of that for his younger brother like that's really brutal like it was like they were really close and so that's really hard and, and his sister in a different way like they weren't close in that way mm-hmm. but loved each other like so much and he would you know he was a kind person he would he would make food for people and just bring it around just give it to them like google cook so he would do stuff like that and i think everybody's just going through their own journey with it i think at the minute and it's just recognizing that everyone's journey is different you know you know the stages of grief and to me there isn't a formula at all i think the way people mark it out as if you just well you get to A and then you know then you work your way down to Z you'll be fine but it obviously yeah. sometimes you'll jump from D to back to B and, and you, yeah. sometimes you'll think I'm, I'm finished now I've accepted it and then yeah. a week later you're crying in yeah. Ikea yeah. as you said yeah. that happened to you 100%. Um, do you feel like there's a, a stage that you're at or have you got a feeling of grief in general right now it's a weird thing like I I feel like everyone around me is waiting for me to absolutely break down. Mm. I feel it. Like people, like people have said things like to my mother-in-law, like, "Does Holly cry?" And she's like, mm, "Obviously," but I don't think I will. I'm not like not open to having a breakdown. Like if it happens, it happens. I have no judgment on that on myself. Like I'm mm. perfectly entitled to a breakdown if I want. But I just I feel like. I'm on top of my own mindset enough that I just don't think I will. I'm allowing myself to cry. I'm not, I'm forgiving myself when I feel like I'm going into like distraction mania and I'm like working myself too hard. I know that that's happening. I can see the signs of that happening. I kind of keep in check. And if, if I don't, someone will be on my case. Like I can usually tell before that's the case, but I, I feel like I'm probably, you know, it, it, it's not, it's going to be those moments. It's going to be those Christmas, you know, that's coming up, like, you know, it's going to be those and, and then there'll be them the next year again and it's just going to be, I think it's the, for me, and we said this, I can't pretend Ross isn't here, like, I can't pretend he's just somewhere else, like, from the minute that he died, I didn't have my mate there, like, you know, we, we used to joke about it all the time with people, but, like, we were together all the time, like, we just, and, and not, like, in some kind of way, like, we actually enjoyed each other's company, like, and I think that for other people, they can go, they can just, like, and you kind of said this as well, like, they can, their direct life isn't affected. There's a difference, I think, between, and, and it's not that the level of love is different, but no, no. it's just for people, when someone you live with dies, and then someone you don't live with dies, it is yeah. different because you, every single second existence changes. Mm. Uh, and it doesn't mean it's any less important if you don't live with them, but it's just, it's harder to ignore. It's so you in your face like, every day, all day. You know, day. like you would be doing that stuff with them. Mm. And suddenly, I mean, it, it, I think it was a journalist asking me this the other day, like, you know, what's the hardest thing? And I was like, it's not big stuff. Like it's, it's normal everyday stuff where I'm like, why am I doing this? Like, I don't, I think I probably didn't appreciate how much Ross did for me and like in terms of mostly and I'm going to say this now because I'm cold now and I'm always whinging about the cold <laughs> but Ross used to keep me warm a lot like so yeah. he would just walk up to me during the day just periodically throughout the day and mm. either hand me a cup of tea or a hot water bottle because mm. he would just know that I'd be cold at some point like and even like that like or he'd get in the bed before me and like warm the bed up for me just lie on my side mm. like if I was in the bath he would 
I'm smart, yeah. I literally think so. Yeah. Well, you yeah. do that because you take up both sides on bed. I was just actually thinking, if if, if anything yeah. ever happens to me one day, God forbid, mm. I hope there's a woman saying, I didn't appreciate him enough. Because <laughs> I would genuinely be like, I fucking knew it. I knew it. <laughs> there there it. goes true Geordie. Yeah. I must remember to thank you. <laughs> Yeah, that's it sneaking but, out. Oh, genuinely, man, I, I love being appreciated. If you are cold, we can close the window because yeah, the window's open. We Should can, we? I'll just we, you guys continue. I'm always just, cold. Yeah. Like that. You are tiny, though. To be fair, aren't that you? is that. The, I, there is a degree difference or something between men and women, so that's why the Apparently, conflict. Yeah. That comes explains out. why women always want the heating on and stuff. Always like that. want it they on. Like it just cover me in fleece and set yeah. me a light I'm a I'm a, I'm a sleep wow. with the window open oh god dude yeah. yeah but I bet you give off a lot of heat oh, I'm, I'm I can't all the time I'm a radiator oh, yeah. I'm a radiator are you warm now yeah, yeah completely you warm you're cold see what I mean Honestly. you feel She's touched all, women, yeah. all women, oh. all women, all <laughs> women. Well, I noticed this fine. quite a lot, though. All women um, touch their boyfriend as if they're the only man in the world that's hot. So yeah. all women go, "Wow, you're hot!" And the man, instead of going, "Oh no, all no. men are hot," they all go, "Yeah, yeah. no, it's yeah. my thing. Yeah. I'm actually uh, really warm." Yeah, yeah. and no, you're like, they're just accept- they're the testosterone. Genuinely, I've looked at man before with anger. I was like, "We're all hot, you know." <laughs> we're man's, all man's hot. Yeah. Man's, well, yeah, like jacket on. <laughs> Yeah, I'm the I'm the shittest Geordie in the world. It's been said like so, well, Geordie girls are supposed to be like take the cold, aren't they? Like, well, to be honest with you, there's two uh, cities. In, well, three cities in the world where they go out and they look like they're in Liverpool. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's Liverpool, Newcastle, Glasgow's got um, and Glasgow, yeah. and they literally We're similar people. Yeah, like Pretty they much. all just. Look. But I would go out and not have a coat on. Yeah, I accept that. But inside. I'm not accepting being cold indoors. Yeah. You shouldn't. It's no. civilization. There's no reason for that. Mm-hmm. Keep me warm. Yeah. Genuinely, I'm not just saying this, but one of the reasons I did say, all right, this is my first female. Yeah. Uh, a, because you're a Geordie, but you're not just a Geordie. You actually, like, I think you represent Newcastle women well. Oh, good. Personally, okay. because I could have went for a Geordie Show sure. girl, for example. Believe me, we thought about it. Did you? We yeah. didn't think about it. Um, but I don't know which ones. I think are. you're like what the women <laughs> yeah. I know, the strong, the proper strong, independent women of Newcastle are like. Yeah. Do you know what yeah. I mean? So, Do you know, I did like because I've lived like north, south, and middle now, mm-hmm. so I feel like I've got a kind of good judge of like the culture of the UK. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realise when I went to London, and there is a massive cultural difference. Oh fuck, I. There is massive. I'm like a yeah. fish out of no, water. No, but there Thank is. When out. I came, and you'll find this without a doubt, Geordies are very direct people, mm. and we just like, with <laughs> like love it. Like, I mean, I, I went home not long ago and I had a pair of furry boots on, and I walked into Asda, just pulled up in, in Gosforth, pulled into Asda, and some girl went, Eee, I love your boots there, lovely, where'd you get them from? And I went, Oh, my people, like, I'm home. Like, I'm home. you know, like, people just say what they think. And when I came to London, I found. And London would, people just ask you if I change. <laughs> yeah. People are people one on one, but as a collective, a there was like a, a feeling of fear in mm. London that I didn't experience in Newcastle. Yeah. And, you know, you speak to people and they're like, What do you want? And why you. People used to say to me, All right, calm down. And I'm like, like Why are you so angry? I'm like, I'm not angry. Like, yeah. this is my normal temperament. Mm-hmm. Like, but it's there's a level of passion that, and this is going to make sound right cringe, but like, there's a level of passion that Geordies have, and also a full on like understanding of our history and background, like like no other people. Like mm-hmm. we we love being Geordies so much. Yeah. Like we there is that like strength of like 
who we are and we know our politics and like we know where we've come from and I don't know I guess it just gets brought up in the generations and stuff but even when I went to Coventry they said um I'd say to people like so what's good about Coventry and they'd be like it's shit all of them like standardly would say that that is that I mean that is probably what real love is to me is moving to Coventry for someone do you feel that because when you there first said I moved to Coventry I thought sent to Coventry you must have really liked him do you know what I mean like, I didn't know about do you know what Coventry sound it's actually there right. when I got Absolutely. to Coventry I went oh this it's is a bit more northern names, though, isn't it? it's not a sexy name it's not sexy Coventry. it's not a sexy place I don't think America will be adopting that for one of their cities Coventry what, do you reckon there'll be kids Birmingham. called like, they like Coventry. Birmingham Birmingham Alabama they like yeah. they've got Manchester yeah, they do yeah, yeah. Got a, they're not taking Coventry that's no. safe. They've not got a You're Liverpool, safe. though. They don't have, oh, there is a Newcastle in America. Yeah, there's there's one in Australia. Yeah. There's one in Australia, right, okay. Obviously. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm, a, I'm so. all right, Geordie, but I recognise Geordie girls now. Like, there is a, a type. Like, oh, yeah. And I didn't... No shit. Yeah, I didn't realise there was a type. Like, I sort of... People used to say, oh, you're dead feisty was always a word. Yeah. You are feisty. Yeah. You're my, I, I needed that because... because when all yeah. of the boys, uh, the lads, lads that we've got, lads. swarm into your comments on your next video and go, for oh, Yari Pet. Yari. <laughs> I know you'll be able to handle it, so yeah. that's good. They, I don't, I'm not sure they could be as weird as some of the stuff that I get sent. Oh, really? Do you get sent oh, no, no, let's, let's hear about that. I'm no, ready I don't even, I don't even mean what like. What did Lorraine give you? <laughs> what did why did that thing she chopped her legs yeah. over well, the thing is we have a bit of, we have a bit of an issue with uh, ITV shows oh why have you been on this morning not yet okay you going to go you on you will be you'll be getting yeah. a call soon don't worry as soon as you've been on this the Luce producers watch this show Luce's been to me as well yeah Luce's so, yeah. really Luce brilliant <laughs> brilliant the, the problem is you're positive about men um, so oh, no yeah I, I mean, like men as well no, I, no but I just like people like oh, oh, what they are give you a couple of quid good yeah. point yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we've all been loose women um, this morning go uh, you can be Philip and I'll be Holly yeah. okay is it sad is it, is it oh was oh, it sad yes. hard was it horrible yeah, is your life really bad, bad? No. that's what they want to know what's yeah, but it I'd like say, but I'd I, yeah, I and you go yes yeah, good and they're like and you can see there's someone in their ear going make it can you make her cry make her cry yeah we need the VT yeah because that's Uh, what but then do you know what I think I am that person that can cut that crap like through but that's why I'm back I'm back on Lorraine on Monday I'm back in there in December really you're back on Lorraine on Monday yeah what they invited you back yeah they're coming to Coventry you're joking (laughs) just for a little audio yeah Yeah. we're doing it's oh this is going to sound like a fun week but it's childhood grief week this week it's a fun week it's a great fun week Um, so I'm doing yeah I'm doing something with a charity called Way Widowed and Young again not a fun thing it's not fun but it's actually a very good charity Mm -hmm. and so we're doing like a feature on that and then I'm back in December and the reason I know for a fact the reason I'm back is because I cut the shit and because I'm not just giving them a talking point I I think you know being grown up in on television and stuff like that I don't have any I do not care at all about that like, it's, it's really clear <laughs> I'm not like nothing phases me so you know me going on to Lorraine for some people that'd be really daunting and they'd, they'd go into the shell and they, they know you're going to deliver they yeah. know you're going to give them that I just I just kind of thought well it's just like a chat in it. Like, but if, I'm, if I'm in, if I'm a girl sitting at home who's gone through something similar, uh, then that's gonna make me feel a lot better knowing that you can come out on the other side of it. You know what I mean? And you don't, your life just doesn't end. Yeah, the same and day. I, need, I needed that. Like I was looking for that, and I didn't really find it very easily. Mm-hmm. Like I wanted, like it sat in hospice. I was like, I need to 
see people that have thrived mm-hmm. during shit stuff. And I was like searching. I'm like, why are these people not out there? Mm. And actually, something amazing happening. And you know, I bang on my channel. I bang on about bang on about mindset and positivity and law of attraction stuff. And I fully, fully believe all Absolutely. of it. And and it, it's my life. Like that's why my life is good because I attract good stuff. And it's not magic. I don't mean like, ooh, I'm attracting stuff. It's just because our brains can only focus on good or bad stuff. Like if you're putting in shit into your brain and negative stuff, yeah. your brain thinks that's we what you want We mentioned this beforehand on the way. It's like you, you meet people all the time who don't have that bad of a lives, but oh. in their head they're the victim. Oh. And they and they seem to just always bring shit storms on themselves. Yeah. And then they wonder, why is it always me? Yeah, what, are you seeing you, your attitude? Yeah, all you talk about is negative uh. stuff. And, and this is the thing, like I've never done that, but I, I sat in the hospice and I'd had a few people be like those people. Mm. And I thought, no, absolutely fucking not. I'm not having it. And I thought, I'm just... I'm only going to allow in my space, allow in my energy, the people that have got their shit together and that is it. And I'm going to attract more of that. And I sat, and yes, I am a hippie wanker, but I sat <laughs> and I meditated. I meditated in the garden of the hospice and I bet I look like such a twat and I don't care because it, meditation is a good thing. And I sat and I, I, my meditation was on... I just want to focus on seeing the, the opportunity and the positive people and I want to see those people and no bullshit half an hour later I was sat on Instagram and a, a business coach friend of mine was on there and I saw that she was being featured in Forbes on Forbes on the website and I was like oh baby that's amazing like commented she then inboxed me and went you've got to get on this and she's like I can hook you up and I was like get me in Forbes like the fuck like yes please <laughs> suddenly within 10 minutes I'm in a group chat with this like mega time coach mindset coach who we're chatting I don't really know what the situation is with what she's doing she's writing a book and um how she called how she did it on female um entrepreneurs she's writing a feature for Forbes and in the Huffington Post and people were paying for that privilege of doing a package with her and then being featured in Forbes and stuff so I get in this group chat and we know her. She she then Google's me, looks at my stuff, comes back into the chat and she's like, "Look, I know you said, I know where you, where you are. Like, I know you sat in a hospice. I know what's going on." And she was like, "I lost my son to brain cancer. He was five. I nursed him till the end. Like, you can have everything for nothing. Like, it was about five grand package. She was like, you get it all. Like, you'd be featured in the book. You'll be on Forbes. Half an hour after you did that. Half an hour after I did that. And as people think, oh, like, that's just bullshit. No, it's not, because I was open enough and asking for that. I was looking for that. I was looking for that conversation. I could have went with a negative mindset on Instagram. Fucking life is shit, life is shit. And do you know what I've seen? Everyone's moaning status. I'd, look, I'd have seen more reasons to think life was shit, but I didn't. And because of that, better things have happened. And so it just depends how you look at stuff, doesn't it, really? Like, it's perspective more than it. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm wondering how you plan on, you know, when you're going forward now raising the girls. Mm. Uh, they call it being mum and dad. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't know if it's if it's that exactly, but trying to fill a, a big role as only one person. I'm, I mean, there's certainly certain aspects that are difficult. Mm. Like I think overall, I took as much as Ross was a really hands-on dad. There were certain things that the majority of the parenting would be done by me like the day-to-day stuff yeah. the the getting up in the mornings and stuff not that Ross wasn't didn't pull his weight because he really did like he cooked and cleaned and did all that stuff but I think that side of it but then there was always that element of a bloke's voice a, a slightly stronger voice and mm. you know not whiny mum's voice which is what it becomes 
and there is definitely that but what I did because Ross has such a close group of lad mates I said to all the lads and they love the girls as well and they're amazing bunch of lads and all really really have been touched by what's happened and found it really difficult and I just said look I said to the girls look if you need to talk to a boy like the lads are there and they they know the lads the lads are there and if you want to phone one of them they'll chat to you and there has been a couple of occasions when usually at night time when I feel like maybe the conversation's on loop a little bit and it's repetitive and it's not really going anywhere I'll say to the girls like do you want a boy chat like do you want to do you want to chat to one of the lads and they'll say they'll say who they want to chat to and they'll give them a call and the lads are brilliant and you know they'll they'll just chat to them and they'll they'll ask them stuff and and they've got a lot of sort of blokes around that can do that I mean his Ross's brother Matty like you know he absolutely as much as he's in Doncaster like he can Skype them and they know he's there and stuff and he has said to me a couple of times you know like when Brooke was saying she hated me when we were going through like a tougher time with Brooke a few weeks back mm. he was like you know if you need me to come and step in because you know physically there is that element as well like you know Brooke's six sometimes I've got to drag her up the stairs not like hurting her before anyone starts mm. phoning people social <laughs> services I'm not battering my children too late yeah but if I want to put Brooke on the naughty step which we, you. you know and I've got and she's kicking and screaming physically it's getting harder like there is things like that where you have to you know but I, I don't know I think I always have in the back of my mind what would Ross do in this instance and I know how we parented we're kind of the last bastion of like strict parenting like what I say goes and I don't mean that in a hard way if you can no. negotiate with me we've always we always taught we've taught the kids to negotiate but like you ain't necessarily winning just like if you don't eat your tea in time you don't, don't think you're getting put in like mm-hmm. stupid stuff but it's follow through really and I think you know that there will be certain things that I will need a, a bloke's influence for like I will need to have is you know Ross's brother step in and be that person for them because I I'm not a bloke like I, I know I swear like one but I'm not actually a bloke. Oh, that shows how sensible you are because you do hear some people who go like I don't need a man. Do you know what I mean? And like it's not we bring different you, you dynamics. Can, you can do it without a man. I'm not disputing that, no. but it certainly fucking helps to have. Speaking from experience, when yeah, I didn't course. have a, a dad growing up, a lot of the time when he was out in life for quite a, a lot of years, mm. uh, I was a total asshole. And truthfully, I could have done with a good slap round the head yeah, off me, Dad. Needed someone on, oh, on top. Oh, completely to fear, full blown. Just, just, to, and and I'm not saying that that's what everyone needs. I'm just saying that's what I needed. You know. No, what but I, mean? I think you do, and I, not even. I mean, not even that side of it, like the discipline side. Mm. Um, but just having a, a male figure there, like having somebody that they can have it. Like it, it's important. Like I'm not a man hater. Like what? Like we we all bring different things to the table. Like. And I think the girls definitely do need that influence around. I mean, we speak about Brooke's been telling me that um, when she's when she gets married, um, she was like, <laughs> obviously, when she gets married, I love that. you know, she's like, when I get married, mom, like, she's like, I'm just, she said, I'm a bit worried because we've always said to the girls, weird is good, like, be as weird as you need to be, like, don't be like everyone else. I mean, we've had across our old house, we had written across the wall, I want to be anything but ordinary, please, mm. like painted on the wall like I want the children to have that influence in fact this week I don't know if I said this on a video but um this week Brooke was saying to me um we were talking about Ross and I said she's getting to that stage now where she's embarrassed about herself like or like what she's wearing and that like she's like I think she fancies a boy at school (laughs) Rudy and um so she's like 
she's going <laughs> no it's so funny and uh, so she's going to school she's like all like embarrassed and I went what are you getting all embarrassed she's got a new scarf on she's like you know people are looking at me like and I'm, she's <laughs> like what she loved this scarf in the weekend and then she's in there she's walking to school and she's like what's this I'm like and I'm like what you been like that for like and I'm walking in like full on fake fur full floor length coat like scarf on my head you're like, noticeable yeah <laughs> you yeah. definitely noticeable <laughs> I was gonna say King's Cross and I was like yeah there that's definitely her like, there she is <laughs> leather yeah. pants yeah. and fur coat yeah that's yeah. me mm-hmm. like like to be noticed and I just I, I was like Brooke like do you think mom cares about what people think I, I couldn't care less I'm dressing for me or I'm doing what I want I said dad I said to be fair on you dad would have been more embarrassing I said I'll get more embarrassing but like dad had been hellish embarrassing mm-hmm. and just like why and I'm like oh he had big plans like he had big plans for you you know like I said he, he was going to pick you up from school um, in his underpants <laughs> on a go-kart mm-hmm. and she was like what and I was like yeah that's what he would do and he, he would have done it as well probably been arrested and she went to me um, so mum that well you'll have to do it then because it's what dad would have wanted <laughs> played me yeah. just let us know what day you do that yeah, yeah. What, so, what what school yeah. is that what school yeah. <laughs> that's unusual I'm right? yeah. I'm but the, the weird the weird side is obviously then Rudy's just around the corner and she's like don't do that <laughs> well she said to me that she'd be sound with it she was like because I said I tried to play her because she was playing me like saying dad would have wanted it like as if I'm going to back down like mm-hmm. and obviously the Com- competitive element to me is like I'll oh, fucking do it I'll do it you, you can say that um, you two are definitely in them then because they're instantly yeah. challenging oh, you at yeah, your own game oh yeah massive time and so oh, I yeah. went well it's fine I'm not going to do it now anyway when you're in primary school it'll be when you're in secondary school that's when we can afford a go-kart yeah we'll save up then and, yeah. and the best pants yeah exactly yeah. and she went take your time. and she went it'll be fine mum she went because I'll be much weirder by then and it'll be fine I'll be like there's my mum on the go-kart <laughs> and I went yeah being arrested like yeah. for putting up at a secondary school in that knickers yeah. in a go-kart no. It's what he would have wanted. I think that's. <laughs> I think it's best. <laughs> the worst thing is, it's it be is on the, what on he would have wanted. Yeah, yeah. It is what he would have wanted. He'd have loved that level mm. of weirdness, any kind of like awkwardness, like that. Oh. Well, I tell you a, a story like recent, and again, this is that gallows like humor. Like his business partner went to his office, like they had their own office, and he used to work quite late at night and stuff because his business partner has a proper job as well, and. um He's, he's rang me at 10 o'clock, his mate, JK, 10 o'clock at night. I'm like, why is he ringing me? Answers the phone. He was like, right, just walked into the unit. That's where they work. And um, Ross is on the table. It's like, like, Ross's ashes are on the table. Right, okay. Yeah. He's like, wasn't anticipating that. Didn't expect to walk. And he's like, there's no ambiguity. Like, if you open the box, it says Ross Blair's cremated remains on the box. It's 10 o'clock at I hope night. someone does that to him. It's dark. If I, if I go. Yeah, just leave you on yeah. the, His mum had just put him out the way, it's like, because, like, we're not really into that stuff, but then, you know. down the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> Sprinkling. <laughs> Video on it. Jordy's last vlog. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There that, goes Brian. That would yeah. make a great last vlog. Yeah. <laughs> That's sick. Yeah. But it I'll, would. I'll see you later. <laughs> see you. Oh, God. Then some sad, it will be music. 
Have you got any music at the end? The flush. No, <laughs> don't forget. No, I'll still put. I'll still put the same end board. Oh, on. would you? Yeah, you yeah. It just cuts straight to. And there he goes. Such great moments. Such instant, like some flashback moments. Maybe would be nice. I don't know. Whatever. Let's not do that. So how's this entrepreneurship going for you at the moment? Yeah, good. I don't really know anything different, so. Being an actress, I always kind of did other stuff because I never wanted to be a skint actress. And yeah, because you, you just so people know, mm. you're in a lot of popular uh, British TV shows. Yeah, so you? I started in the Geordie one, Biker mm. Grove, which some people no were. And Deck started there as well. Yeah, Anton Deck. So I started in '97. Wow, so that would have been like my prime Biker Grove. Oh Grove yeah, days. I, I was, probably do remember. I was little like. Emma. That's right, it was Emma, and, and she was a singer for a bit, and she was just really sweet, and she kind of yeah, they wrote so they wrote wrote a part in for me like so I auditioned for something else and then about six months later they wrote a part in for me and I, I kind of just I was in it for seven years and so grew up on telly so all those all, I mean I'm just so glad that social media was not around although people like tweet me stuff and they're like oh look what I found a picture of it and I'm like <laughs> I have to like laugh about it. I'm like fucking Get rid of it for God's sake! Why can't we be on TikTok? Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, so I like I did that, and then I left to do singing. I signed to Sony for a bit and wow. did Top of the Pops, mm. MTV, and all that stuff. But that was under a different name. It was under the name Summer Matthews. So wow. if you Google search or YouTube search you, uh, Summer Matthews, you'll find me singing. It's funny. That is actually quite funny. It is. What else did you like? rate yourself as a singer out of interest? Because some I can people. Sing. No, I can sing. The song that I released wasn't really like it. No. It was a pop song. I'm not really uh, sure that I can sing, but I can it was sing. on Radio One sort of thing. Yeah, sort of... it was. Actually, MTV somebody and, like... wrote on your Wikipedia that you had like an Avril Lavigne sound. It was like a pop rock, right? Yeah, a poppy yeah. rock. I, I can imagine. Write that. I didn't write it. Yeah, I'm not yeah. going to sing. Who does? Who? Yeah. Adele. Actually, apparently she writes songs. a lot of her own stuff. Does she? Fair enough. Ed Sheeran and Adele are the only Pretty people much, left, uh, I think. I don't think there's anyone else yeah. in the music industry. You can tell that Ed Sheeran writes And Stormzy. Oh, yeah. and Stormzy. <laughs> who we listen to a lot in our car. Yeah? Yeah, the girls like it. Stormzy, Little singers, Mix and Stormzy, uh, the power. Um, yeah, kids so nowadays. Kids, I know, they're so cool. And you won like, the, the bill and the that bill, one. You were on the bill? The bill, all right, wow. the bill was my favourite one. I'm not going to lie, like, I... That, I was a fan of the bill mm-hmm. and the, I took the call for the audition. I've never been so on my game for an audition. I rang my sister, I was like, the bill's come up. And she was like, oh my God, I went, guess what part? And she went, prostitute. And I went, crack it. Wow. I've got to get this. And I went, <laughs> Don't I went. Why. Just following that sentence up with, I've got to get I've this. I've got to be a crackhead. I'm perfect, I'm really skinny, yeah. it's fine. Do you know what, I was a fat crackhead. Oh, yeah. I, it was Christmas in between filming, so like, oh. I was so fat as a crackhead. I'd have been brilliant now. So like, sausages wrapped in bacon. I man. couldn't, yeah. like, I was like, I'll, I'll be fine. And I really, I look like a chubby crackhead, but I look <laughs> rank, it's great. Like, I went the day before doing the scenes, because I obviously got the part. He actually went to me, he was like, from your headshot, I'd never have cast you, but I went in like crack. I went on the tube. I you took actual crack. I took. You're crack. a method actor. <laughs> you know what I mean. I went in looking rough, and he was like, "It sounds like yes, you've got the part." And <laughs> she then, didn't even read. They literally they walked in went, and they oh, went, went "Yeah, it's, it's true. You've got the part." Sorry, we were expecting an actor. Oh, oh, right. oh, yeah. yeah. I was on the tube, like pretending, like method in it. Like people were moving seats because I was like oh, cracking so up. Good. Like I was proper. But the day before filming, I was like, I need to look proper rough. So me and my sister, <laughs> I was living in Essex at the time, and we were we were down there, and me and my sister decided to get absolutely arsehole drunk because I thought then I'll look really rough right yeah. this seems like a good idea in theory so we drank it a really bottle doesn't. of vodka 
a bottle, a litre of vodka. And we went through the, st- you know, you talk about the stages of grief. Uh-huh. There's a stages of drunk, isn't there? Like, oh, yeah. there's like that nice, I'm just cool. Like, this is fun. Like, Probably. cool. Then there's like the sort of more intense, we're yeah. having a deep and meaningful. Then there's the tears and there's the anger. And then you phone people and you like leave a messages yeah. and then you think you're funny. Then you pass out or whatever. So this was the level I was at. And I was a bit younger. So I was like ridiculous. I barely drink now, but then I did. And the next day I had to get up and go across London to film for like about an eight o'clock call. And I got, I was living in like Loughton in Essex and I had to get, I had to get off at Stratford on the central line to vomit on the floor. Like it was that bad. That bad. And then I went in and I was like filming and they were all like, this is great. Like this. Just just keep rolling. We'll work it in. They were like, this is really good. They didn't know. She's vomiting on command. Still, like I was probably so drunk and the director was saying stuff to me and there was that moment, you know when you're like hungover and you're like, the world's not really quite right. It's like, bit fuzzy not sort of really engaged with it and the director would be saying stuff to me and I'm like what did he say like I was so bad I mean it looks good like they were like this you're really really gone for it like with the cracker like a lot of them don't really do it mm. I took it really serious it's only one episode for the bill so I took it so serious that's good though but I loved it that was my favourite part and then I went on to do Waterloo Road and Doctors and wow. other stuff, casualty stuff like casualty. that. I always play rough parts towards the Geordie. Like they, they, yeah. they get me Tight in. Trust. It's so I'm so I'm like rough. I mean, I've become over the well before Ross was diagnosed was kind of when I stopped doing auditioning and stuff. But I, I'd got to mum stripper, mum crackhead. Oh. Like I was, they were bringing that. Was in. that hard for you to accept that, 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 as a as a woman? Because like now that I'm playing a mum. No, because you sort of even though you're an actual mum mm. like there's something about women in age where they're like oh god people see me as a Mom-sy. as a mum a mum age now was that was that alright or did you handle that I, I was fine because I was just I'd, I'd been playing kids I was 24 before mm. I played an adult just because they're looking small and stuff like I just still played kids so it was kind of nice to start playing different roles and mum stripper mum stripper yeah. mum crackheads mum who's did, did you do it like did you actually have to get your kit wow. off when you were the stripper or anything no, like that no no I am DB forget about me. it forget no, about forget. it it's not on there I don't think I've done anything <laughs> have I done anything naked or anything this would you though because we've spoken to some actors mm. like um, Dan Portman the Game of Thrones ad who he did stark bollock naked on stage and a lot like, you could be a crackhead you, in uh, Game of like Thrones that? would I, you be a crackhead in Game of Thrones that'd be great I don't yeah. think they do crack do in they Game not? of Thrones no no I've never seen it no. <laughs> people writing the scripts do yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you would would you do that um, it's not that I'm, I'm completely comfortable with being naked. That right. does not bother me. Not on the show, though. How did we, like, how did we get to this? I don't know. But I'm, I mean, I, conversations go where they go, man. I'm just asking questions here. That doesn't bother me at all. And I think in the past, I'd have went... Does it bother you? Yeah. Like, does it, has anyone bothered about nakedness? Yeah. Like, no. Um, but I don't know now. Like, I what, what, what thing is, being a girl, right? And you've seen this in the industry now with... Weinstein and all the shit that's coming out oh God, uh. there is definitely a level of new directors come in and obviously I've been in the industry a long time so I've seen it and they think they're so original mm-hmm. and they'll send me Dave. a script which is basically their sexual fantasy and they're like oh, this right, is okay. like so I'm like so they think <laughs> he's a director <laughs> okay, actually yeah. the weird thing was I've sent that to Brian yeah. so it's um, <laughs> really is this too much if yeah. you think it's okay though yeah no, no. But so, like, so genuinely they, they set things up for themselves full on like soft porn and right. you're like you know, I've been sent stuff like even like I mean, I'm not I'm not actually I haven't got an agent at the minute, but I when my agent would send me stuff and I'd be like 
like this is like I'm I'm not I'm cool with stuff like that but I'm like is this doing anything for me like am I gonna I don't think it does and I don't think she needs to be naked in that scene Mm -hmm. and actually it (laughs) might be she's in Burger King (laughs) why is she why is she naked I mean like why is she naked it's just to trust us alright Holly just wear your lucky t-shirt and it's a closed set yeah exactly yeah Yeah. there's there's places where it makes sense like uh Margot Robbie on uh, Wolf of Wall Street like that yes. that is tastefully yeah, the, done and it yeah, looks and that, good and now. it needs it looks so good that's looks such a damaged. great job that's, she's so hot mm. and that like like I get that and there was definitely yes you need it and people are naked in life but actually it's almost like that it's gratuitous. the same with gratuitous mm. and it's like the crying thing as well like when people are over the top crying we don't actually do that in real life necessarily and often it's it's much sadder to see someone hold back tears sometimes it's much sexier to see that a little bit and then mm. you're like shit like you can, your own imagination finds it hotter but I've had like scripts sent to me in fact I was talking about this because of all the sexual assault stuff recently and I was saying like this guy sent me this script I did audition for something else and then he sent me a part where there was a girl just having sex in a swimming pool mm. that wasn't in the original script right and he and that was after he met you yeah <laughs> you need to rework this I think I've got the perfect part for you actually you know that's the funny thing is in the media industry that and that's probably and it's not hilarious in any way but that's probably why a lot of people get away with it they can send you that stuff and if you go so that's much. really good and if you really want the part and if you go and if you go that's really sick they go it's just a not, script it's just a script yeah, yeah. and uh, the entertainment industry everyone's so tactile and so open like the com- I mean the conversations you will have you you'll know you like there's no boundaries with actors and people we don't really have those yeah. limits and we'll talk about stuff that normal people would be like horrified at and so I think there's that yeah, I've blurred... sat with Dan Portman a lot he's, he is quite horrified he's is yeah. he no, yeah. he is actually mental like, that's brilliant yeah. no but yeah. I do no, think actors are like that because Seriously. we have to like play other people like we have to like get into people's heads and so there isn't those boundaries and then people go to drama school and that's some fucked up shit like people do weird stuff yeah. and at drama so, school at yeah. drama school and that like like what Oh, well, I remember, and I, he probably he is on YouTube. But my, I used to live with a, a lad called Phil Man, and Phil it, Man, Phil Man, great. He does like comedy stuff. He's a great lad, mm. and um, is he Geordie as well? No, Phil um, Man, Phil Man. Yeah, yeah, that would be great. I should should definitely have went with that. And I just remember, and I can't get it out of my head. It's not that I think about it a lot, Phil, but I, it's in my head still that he was hoisted at one point in a part in like drama school, hoisted into the air naked mm. and like just see, just looking up and just seeing my housemates bollocks, this yeah. balls there. This is very pale, bluey sort yeah. of balls just up there. Being and just bluey. So, <laughs> you know, just like cold. We've all been there, Phil, it's fine. Don't, don't beat yeah, yourself a, up, a cold don't drama beat yourself up about it. We've all got, it's like a guild hall, it's very cold, during, they turn heaters on in the morning yeah. and he's like, fuck, I've got to get cold. <laughs> yeah. And just seeing him hoisted and just thinking, I sort of often in the acting world, I take myself out of what I'm doing. I think, what am I doing? Mm. Like once I wasn't, I was pretending to be an otter in Epping Forest which annoyed me because it wasn't their terrain and I was being asked to be on the floor in Epping Forest like an otter that's stupid it's ridiculous let's get it right at least get the the terrain the area right it wasn't method it wasn't like what do you know what I mean this is stupid and anyway I'm I'm sort of wriggling around the floor in Epping Forest whiskers or are you sort of no I'm just this is just imagination stuff and I'm just thinking for a minute I took myself out with this and I was like what the fuck yeah, are you doing? There are, there what are, are you doing? Yeah, to like, be fair, you get asked to literally move a foot to the left and you're sort of like, I'm comfortable here. <laughs> we've had a lot of moments like Have that. Have Where we've done yeah. like live presenting and that. I and, thought you uh, meant like the otter stuff, not No, that. no, just it live was, presenting. It was I get hard really pretending off. we gave a shit about West Brom's goals. 
Yeah, that was really be, hard. Yeah, really that hard. can be really Last hard. Season was tough. Yeah, and then obviously because there's also then online there's an Instagram account I think which is um, or it's either Tumblr or Instagram of girls who have clearly been photographed by someone who's gone I'm a photographer oh, and they clearly are that yeah yeah oh, and they're, they're posing with like milk on their head or something <laughs> or like something really weird I love it it's like mm. yeah yeah should we do some emails Let's do you want to go straight on those so do you know so when we first started the podcast we we answered we tried to answer a lot of people's problems but that's nice we quickly found out that Brian just likes roasting them so you roast them worse than I do well mate well I'm worried about so them reverent. and you can roast them and I'm, well I might I don't know what they, how bad are they you have no idea what's coming at you right now because I've so I know that all the recent ones you don't read my emails um, I get will be uh, specifically in relation to you coming on the show because I tweeted out oh right okay we've got a girl so if you've got problems that you want a girl's opinion mm-hmm. on I'm here. Oh She's God. ready. ready. And I know you're good at giving advice. You're a life coach. Did you tweet this out last night? Yeah, I did. So okay. all the recent ones will be like middle of the night shit. Yeah. 6 a.m. When they're like, yeah, late into the night, they're going right. to ask some weird so, questions. Like we, we average about a thousand emails a week. So that's a lot. 20 yeah. emails this morning. Oh, that's Just a lot. this morning. That's quite a lot. That is, that's quite a lot. Just I mean, this week, I've had someone email me about how to get an part, um, an extra part on EastEnders where they can get rhinoplasty done mm. and um, send me a whole That's email easy. about Cheryl Cole and be like just he's just worried about her to be honest I'm like, just worried about her. That's quite sweet, it is it? sweet and at the end he's like I know you're not as famous as Cheryl Cole Clearly. Clearly. Mm. Um, and he's like, but I think you're doing all right. Mm. And I thought, Is that right? <laughs> like, I'm not joking. I was scrolling to the end of the email. Like, it's really sweet, mm. but why? Mm. I'm, I think people think I'm Google. I don't yeah. know why people are asking me about so things. I don't understand. Yeah, well, you're a woman. And so I know everything. Is God. that what you're trying to say? I've just read a little bit of the email. Yeah. It, in I the, can't wait. the first email, the, the first three words okay. I've read are. Art of masturbation. Okay, here we go. Bring it on. Here we go. Here we go, guys. Uh, Masturbation addiction. Give this person a name. Oh, we want me to give them... Dave. Dave. Brilliant. We we, We know Dave, so instantly... Stop man, Dave. And it's funny because he... Because he also has a... Masturbation addiction. Is it Dave? Um, Well, he verbally ranks himself off quite a lot. Yeah. yeah. Um, And Manchester United. So... Moving on. Continue with Dave's problem. Come on, this is serious business. Ever since I discovered the art of masturbation... Excuse me. Hi, Lawrence Geordie and Fernando Torres. Ever since I discovered the art of masturbation three years ago, I've wanked off at least once or twice every single day since then. Believe it or not, I had a girlfriend during this time. Sorry, how many years ago did he discover Three. Only so, three years ago. How old is he? We'll find out. Oh, we'll sure. find out. Okay. Some people are late bloomers. Believe it or not, I had a girlfriend in this uh, during this time. Uh, when she ended things, at the time it felt like the best day of my life. It meant I could watch porn uh, hours upon hours without being disturbed. However, <laughs> she, she was interrupting his porn watching. Yeah. She's knocking on the door. He's going, for fuck, I was just oh, about to have a... Sick. Billy, your girlfriend's here. <laughs> <laughs> this is so funny. <laughs> However, recently, although this is uh, this feeling kicked in deeper when I failed mm. my A levels because I spent more time oh, okay. researching so Kendra Lust mm. and Rachel Starr. Are you? Familiar? I've I've seen Kendra Lust before. Okay. She's do you, a brunette. Do you feel Kendra Lust? I don't think that's her real name. No, definitely not. No. Continue. Surprised. <laughs> She's changed by deep hole. Maybe I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Possibly. Yeah. Because asses. of deep hole. Asses. Uh, instead of researching the rules of law. I've realised porn is affecting my life. However, I'm deep into this addiction and I can't stop. Uh, I'm at a point right now where I don't even watch porn for pleasure, but as a routine. Wow. 
that's some deep um, stuff, Dave. The point is, I know Geordie was an extreme porn addict. I wouldn't have said that. But <laughs> and an abuser during his <laughs> day. And abuser. Yeah. Abuser. And I know he's calmed down since his peak. How does I he mean, know? Uh, th- through the window? I've said, I used to watch a lot of porn when I was uh, a teenager. And in his early to mid-20s. I've, I've mentioned it. Mm. Yeah. We've got a lot of hours to kill in this podcast. Yeah. A lot okay. of things come out. And you've calmed down. That's what he's, he's... I would say so, because, I mean, YouTube's opened a lot of doors. Do you know what I mean? He's got other Get the real to thing do now. now. That's yeah. the thing. And now he's got a woman to distract him from... Yeah, yeah. actual... Well, yeah. But the thing is, but, I don't think he's appreciating what it's like to be with a real woman as opposed to... The problem is, for men, yeah. you get into a habit of where... Because it's a screen, it's a different woman every night in your mind. In a so way. Okay. Variety. So then when you yeah. have to go from that to one girlfriend, the first sort of month or whatever is exciting, but eventually you're used to the habit of a new thing all the time. Really? Yeah. That's and also I would say if the girl doesn't watch porn and you do, their uh, levels are different. Oh, completely. What, what you mean as in... They what what she's into isn't the same, is it's it? It's not going to be the same because porn stuff is not the... Mm. I'm not even saying that, but, like, there's a different, like, conversation there, isn't there? Mm. Like, I d- Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think Dave... Let's mm. just think about Dave because I'm worried about Dave. Mm. As, you know, it's like... This is really well, no, like, it's literally fucking his life up at this point. Uh-huh. But what, I'm, what I don't get, and this is my thoughts on life anyway, like... Dave's saying he's doing law, right? But he loves wanking off mm. over porn. Loves it. Can't loves get it. enough. Can't of get it. enough of it. Right? Once or twice a day. Once twice a day. How many laws do you think he's read a day? I just yeah, exactly. Like he, so what I would say to Dave is Wank off over laws. Brilliant. You could do that. Or you could stop doing law and find something to do with sex that he could make his life. Why well, not? The not porn, so director. porn yeah. director. Yeah, porn director. It's not enough money in it. Though, not surely. sort of a. Oh, well, believe me, there can be big money. Can I, I watched a Louis Theroux documentary on it. Once. Oh, I did as well. I thought. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Louis goes to Louis on porn. Did I, like yeah. Yeah, and he goes to LA. And <laughs> but not now. I was so much free porn. Like, surely people can't be making money from porn now. Well, not as much. How, how niche do you have to go? Like, Advertising. Oh, okay. Oh, fair enough. People yeah, are still yeah, yeah. making porn a lot, so there must be a, yeah, there must be so. money in it somewhere. And there's dildos and stuff you can sell on the side, that sort of thing. Accessorize. Accessories. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't go and work in accessorize if you're. A porn I actually addict. got approached by a PR company yesterday who want to give me sex toys. Do you find that's a little that. bit unusual? Like, is that so to, to well, show on your channel and that? Yeah, yeah, I am not doing that. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm not being funny. Like, uh, it's it's slightly like weird as a new widow. Like, I was going to say, is that oh is God. that the reason they came to you? I don't know. Oh, okay. Or it could be it could be that I just talk. Or, not that I talk about sex and stuff because I don't. But you're work, open but just I'm generally. Really, generally open, so they probably think you need someone to be like that. But I I think there's a level. Like I'm totally fine talking about sex. It doesn't really bother me that much. But then also my grandma doesn't need to know. Yeah, that is stuff. she a subscriber as well? No, but she's <laughs> like, oh, a lovely new video. <laughs> <laughs> What is that oh, pot that plant that she's holding? I must click yeah. because the no. thumbnail is take a sip of her tea. Yeah, yeah, that's oh. <laughs> no. I, yeah, I won't be doing that. But mm. that can did I, happen yesterday. Ask, uh, did they offer much brand deal money for that sort of thing? Because Was it, Brian will be in no, do you think they the t- didn't offer me at this point? We didn't negotiate mm. any money. Just as many um, toys as like humanly possible. Want. They were really high end. They were like a hundred and fifty pound plus 
sex toys. He's thinking, why didn't you? <laughs> just tape it. Oh, free toys, paid and all the like. I used to love, I've got some friends that run a podcast as well, and whenever they used to get sort of crap sponsorship deals, they would just ask for the most unreasonable stuff. Mm-hmm. So once they got offered oh, yeah, a like, Budweiser deal, I think it was, mm. and they just said, deliver as much beer as humanly possible to this address. But they put in block capitals, humanly possible. That's amazing. <laughs> You'd be surprised what you can get. Like, mm. I, I've, oh, liked, yeah. well, I've had loads of free stuff that it just, I'm like, brilliant can you pass the dildo deals over to why would I need a dildo well no there's other stuff like don't just don't just dismiss like cock rings rings. lubricant Lubricant. can you ask them to deliver as much lubricant as humanly possible (laughs) to to this address (laughs) number one true Geordie Towers oh for fuck's sake alright so what do we what do we do for our game slide I'm yeah, well, we think about Dave. Yeah. Dave might need all Poor of Dave, that. wanking right. himself into but a baby. he's saying this is a problem. I'm asking him to reframe this shit all Brilliant. over the place, right? Because seriously, is it a problem or is it human nature? We like sex. Like, that's yeah. a normal Monkeys thing. Monkeys masturbate. Yeah, it's yeah. fine. Like, twice a day. It's not. That's not ten times a day. No, it isn't that many. It's not it? ridiculous. How long? I mean, <laughs> You're making also... me feel better right now. <laughs> how long? You okay? You want to call someone? The thing is, this isn't me. This is actually... This is turning into me and so it's fine. Life coach. Right. Yeah. If you, I just think you should reframe it and go, look, I'm not really into law as much as I'm into Kendra Lust. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and um, I would rather. Rachel Star. And Rachel Starr. And I would rather be doing that, mm. doing them. Yeah. Obviously, that would be better. Get involved in the industry. No one's going to pay him to masturbate, though. I think we have no, to acknowledge No, but he, you can do stuff to do with porn, though. That's but your he passion. You can do something to do with porn. Could if that kill the passion? It could, but then maybe, but then okay, then maybe he just needs to put in levels of boundaries for himself where he goes. No one can at work. Yeah, no one can at work. Or I'm gonna, I'm but gonna finish, well. I'm gonna finish this essay on law and then reward as a treat, with a. That's brilliant. No, that is genuinely inspired. If you're a teenage system. boy out there. And you've done that. The problem I have is that's a lovely that's, that, that's a very genius. in theory you're, you're really crack on there. No, but it's once but, you're in that porn the, hole, no, but, there's no catch. So, so, so to speak, speak. Yeah. Uh, uh, sometimes your brain can't relax in, to get work done until you sort of put the oh, fire yeah, okay. out. Yeah, but then he's saying two, so I'm saying do it before. Mm-hmm. And then relax. Get then you might get a bit sleepy. But then that is, that is a big problem. I love that you might get sleepy. I also think so, honestly. I also watch it. So I also a yeah. A I'm really thinking about this. Put stuff. the kettle on first. Right, so yeah. Green Day's latest album, Coffee and a Wank. Wank. Um, you feel sleepy, so Wank Nespresso. <laughs> and, you, and you're ready to go. You know, there's no room for a girlfriend. Yeah, right. No she, she's the one putting the coffee on. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Make me a coffee. Then, Mom, get a coffee on. My girlfriend, right? He's only young, and he like he's only young. He's doing his A levels, like mm. so. I'm thinking, like, just leave. It. All right, you maybe don't want a girlfriend, but if you do get a girlfriend in the future, then you also need to check that she's into that. Like, you, you, oh you yeah, definitely. Like, you don't need to be like not early on though. Don't sort of, not first date territory. You know, sort of, are you into? No, but you're what you're saying is be weird. Be weird. Attract uh, your own weirdos. Like whatever, whatever you're into, whatever weird shit. Like, there's no judgment on that. Like, whatever you're into. The problem is people don't are not that open, and they like no. to pretend. So like, like they're fine, and they drip feed it. Uh, like, actually, and, I'm really yeah, spoon feed it, and then <laughs> but then within a month of being with a girl, you're like you were a freak from day one. I fucking knew it. 
it. Do you know, yeah. why didn't you just tell us? I would have learned it from the start. Yeah, there's more judgment on girls for that, there though, is, isn't yeah. there? So there's very true. Sluts and stuff. Yeah. And, and, um, slut shaming. There's, um, the, in the first week... Have you ever been slut shamed? I, I don't know. It's that. impossible to slut shame, Brian. I'm a proud <laughs> slut. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, if someone Please goes, why are you sleeping with all these people? That is something But I'm a proud slut. I mean, by doing T-shirts... I think we can do that on the T-shirts. If someone can render you in your underpants... Just in a go-kart a with I'm a proud slut <laughs> as the number plate that would be great wearing women's underwear yeah on the time bridge you don't have to photoshop that if right. anyone's because we get a lot of people photoshopping things can we just oh really just a proud slut no just women's underwear proud. on me thanks it's, um, no it's, women's underwear I mean, she said that was, ah I, did, I missed that that, that, that was the yeah. ultimate in icing on a joke yeah. <laughs> uh, so to speak anyway um, so okay so Dave look just reframe it you're alright mate just don't you know, like, don't be so preoccupied if you can. Like, just try and find time to eat, um, to sleep. Good. And if there's room for a girlfriend, just make sure that she is as freaky as you and she's into it as much. If she's not, there's just, there will be girls out there. Just it's cool. Just hang. Trust me. Bro. Just concentrate on law and banking for now. Yeah. And it's fine. And do try, both. Do, just, yeah, just try and make sure you, if you, but if not, then try and find something in the sex industry that you're into. Let's also be honest. I think in England, People are quite ashamed of masturbation. Ashamed of mm. everything. So, so in like, uh, there's yeah, we're ashamed absolutely everything. We're really ashamed of everything. Like no, we were talking about grief earlier. Like we're ashamed of grief. We're ashamed yeah. of masturbation. We're ashamed of everything. Like we're just we we hate off. British. Go watch it. Wolf of Wall Street, where he says he has to masturbate a few times a day. That guy's in a just high powered the, job. Just to feed mm. the geese. As yeah, he says. that guy's in a high powered job. Keep the blood flow below the belt. And he doesn't feel nice. shame about it. Mm. He's open about it. It's part of his lifestyle. Maybe yeah. embrace that side of things. If you yes, talk about do. being weird, and then maybe more be more likely to attract a girl because the girl will be like, "Well, I know about this." Yeah, and he's um, it's putting it out there first. Like we were talking about being real and being like people can't really like catch you out on stuff if you're real about things. It's hard though, isn't it? Because when you first meet a girl and you just go, "I'm just just gonna go to the toilet. I'll be, I'll be right back." I'm just yeah. gonna. Well, that would be unusual if yeah, you're with, with a, girl a girl and in that yeah. time you want to masturbate. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose, yeah. But, but he's yeah. saying he prefers it. He's like, she's a distraction. Yeah, but then I think that's because then maybe he's, you know, he's only young. So a lot of the girls he's going to go out with are going to be fairly inexperienced and young. And, and, and yeah, you know, like maybe they're just a bit nervous and shy. And, and maybe, you, you know, Dave, you could take them on that journey. No, that's very true. Because you know, like, girls just want to make you happy a lot of the time. And, and, and you just have to be open about that. Yeah. Okay, so Dave, it's all right. It's all right. Just you'll be, be positive fine. about you. Yeah, but, yeah we, we don't like, oh, what we got now. I think this is a good one, especially okay. to get your opinion on. Okay. okay. What would you like to call this person? Um, Steve. Steve. Wow. I'm feeling for, sort of very just sensible. Not yeah. Fine. I normally go for like Cherry Dude or something oh, like okay. that. Oh, okay. Or Chester or Chester. Oh, Peter. Uh, yeah, okay. Anyway, Steve, what's he done? Hi, I'd like to remain anonymous. Of course. Um, that's why we give you the other name, Steve. Yeah. Uh, but my question for you is why do nice guys finish last? Oh. Unlike most uncivilized savages, <laughs> when I see an unconscious girl, I would not make sexual advances. <laughs> Okay. This guy's sort of he's uh, working off an that assumption. Makes him, is it, is it, that makes him like upper echelons. There, See, like, that makes me a nice that guy. Just because I wouldn't. Jump. Yeah. I'm so, a really nice guy. Who I'm unconscious. The fact that he's even quantifying being a nice guy and then attaching an identity. I mean, really, in many ways, if you see an unconscious woman, don't think that because you did not have sex with her, I you're a great on, person. I'm just yeah. kept on I'm walking. Judging, yeah. I'm judging that that thought process anyway. Unusual. Yeah. <laughs> I just kept on walking. Didn't even touch her. Yeah. She needed to ring an ambulance. I just kept yeah. on walking. I just kept on walking. But, I, but I'm a good person. Why? 
Didn't fuck it. Didn't fuck it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, um, so what? We, so nice guys finish last. He's just worried about anything. But see, that makes me a nice guy. Mm. Um, so why is it that Just reaffirming woman? his identity. Yeah. So why is it that a woman won't sleep with me? Well, I would never rape. Oh, you said rape. You know when the Chris, Chris, uh, Chris Rock goes, you're supposed to. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yes, I would never okay. rape, and I text her every day, telling her how pretty she is. Oh no! And how she should leave her asshole boyfriend. I don't understand what to do, as it seems the only way to get a girl is through brute force. Oh, but so I yeah. can't even do that. Please help. Kind regards, Steve. Whoa, Steve. Steve, you've made a lot yeah. of assumptions in your email, yeah. haven't you, Steve? Steve, there feels like a lot of like passive aggressive. Anger bubbling to Pen, the surface. Maybe he needs to do more of what Dave. <laughs> I see. Brilliant. I think that would help. Yeah. Just we'll get calm down. Yeah. They should Pen buddy up. Lust. They should buddy up. Calm down. Mm. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I don't know if Dave's there. The yeah. I together. don't think Dave's that there. Um, Distractions. So I don't. Thi- I don't think it's a case of nice guys finish last. No. But the reason that girls are attracted to bad lads mm-hmm. is not that they want a wanker. Mm-hmm. It's attractive when people are confident and that is what is attractive so, regardless of and sometimes that goes in the wrong form but you can so what you're saying is that you can be a nice guy you, no you can be a nice guy but if you you can exude that confidence mm. that the bad yeah. lads have while still being a gent yeah then you're getting a good balance there aren't you 100% like everyone's attracted <clears> to confidence <throat> like we just are we naturally if somebody's got good high self esteem people want to be around them mm. when you text someone constantly in a like des- especially if you're trying to get them off somebody Desperation. else it's not very attractive unless yeah. that's really reciprocated and you're both well into that space of like in being into each other like that's not attractive at all like there has to be a level of like um not gameplay and that's the wrong thing but like to sort of like flirting and like wants a little chase like that nobody finds you know like we were saying earlier about how ross pulled me by negging me Mm. and um that works because without being a complete wanker if you're a pretty girl and you go out you get chatted up all the time like i if you do the same thing every other guy does how are you going to stand out from the crowd it's impossible. You're just going to be yeah, one exactly. of the many. But yeah. also neg in the right way. Like, just going <laughs> up and sort of going, oh, yeah, you look like shit doesn't help, you know? <laughs> no, no, that's, that's not going to be good. But if you... I hate your shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, do you know what Ross used to do? And he used to do this, like, in general to bring people down a peg or two. He'd go up to, like, a girl and be like, do you know what you look like? And they'd be like, who? Like, they're thinking, like, Angelina. And I'm like, what, what's he going to say? Lorraine Kelly. Lorraine Kelly. Like, <laughs> and like... Milan Barosh. Brilliant. Like, <laughs> and they'd be like, that is actually yeah, sick. And they'd be like, who's Bartley? Like, thinking some like film. And he's like, Champions oh, he's just winning. Yeah, it's Liverpool. <laughs> and, like, and they'd be like, what? And then they're on the back foot and he's yeah. winning. And he used to do it all the time. He used to do it with lads as well a little bit. Like if they were above, you know, big blokey, blokey yeah. lads, he'd be like, he'd just bring them down a little bit because he had no like filter. But that's attractive. I, to, I think it's attractive either way. Like it's the same with girls. If, if they're like desperate, you're like mm, how can you value someone who doesn't value themselves uh, one thing I do I have, think there's, I, a, there's I, a level I, of that though. I do have a bit of a problem with that though because yeah. I also think you should value people anyway even though they don't see the value in themselves you, so that's you the same think the same. that so, no but put it this way right if I take English pounds to another country I still value it because I still know it's got value back where I'm from yeah so it's, but those people don't know what the value of it is and it's yeah. not really to them in that but the, situation but, but I, I know and used to know a lot of girls who didn't value themselves yeah, yeah. you but don't you deserve see, it the, the if, diamonds if, though aren't they no no no, no. I tell you the ones who've got low self esteem who are diamonds to look at they're the best ones 
Because they're a bit mental as well. Well, no, because they they don't realise how great they are. And and part of the fun is also showing them that. But also, part of the fun is not having to put up with the arseholes who think that they're great, who aren't actually great, you know? They're the diamonds, like. So part of that is also, I think, some men, (laughs) you arseholes, some men like to sweep in and feel like they're showing the girl what the girl can be. And I get that. That's a a really nice movie narrative to that. Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks, Tom Wanks. Uh, Side to it. I think, you know, everyone's got their own personality, but I often think that people justify some shitty actions towards girls because, oh, well, she didn't have any self-confidence, so... Yeah, you know, whatever. I don't think that's the right. That's what I'm saying. But there's a a level, I think, of like uh, sort of self confidence is Mm. attractive. Being egotistical isn't, Mm -hmm. and being a twat isn't. Like when people Mm. are like the other end and they think that you're a narcissist, that's not attractive either. And I think the where that whole myth of girls like bad lads or the nice guys finish last, it's not actually true. Like I want people to be nice to me. Like I don't. But there's also a level of like you know matching someone a little bit like mm. you need to have uh be able to have a conversation be able to be on top of each other a bit as well like with with you know like you know me and ross would argue we over like grammar or whatever like there would be like something i would say or something and he'd try and pull me up on it we'd be like sort of battling each other but it's fun that's but it's it. fun and it's not like i'm better than you or do you know demoralizing or like trying to put you down or anything but i think yeah i i just i don't think it's a case of having to pretend to be like a tough guy or anything like that I don't necessarily think that's attractive either one thing I do have a bit of a problem with at the moment and obviously this email sort of addresses that is he says um, I, I would never rape mm. and he also says uh, I mean that's just ludicrous it's ridiculous but it does sort of show uh, I think when you're a teenage boy or a lot of teenage mm. boys get feelings where they do feel like real sexual urges and they don't yeah. feel like they can control them mm. and um, especially in like the current climate where grown men haven't be able, been able to control their sexual yeah. urges and those guys maybe deserve to be shamed because I think yeah. they knew what they were doing yeah. there's also a feeling that I think when you're younger you don't understand that so well and that doesn't it doesn't um, it doesn't excuse, doesn't it. excuse no. it but at the same time I feel like some people they need a space to be able to talk about that because they're feeling about those things I, I totally agree that and I think when we were talking about porn and stuff earlier I think there is because there's so much access and I, again I'm not it's not against porn but I'm saying there's so much access to it like you go onto Twitter and you accidentally type anything like it could be a girl's name it could be Kendra and yeah. you type that in you will get hardcore porn not like like softcore like really graphic stuff like I don't really think that young people have the brain capacity to really understand the the nuance of that and like you know we as adults can look at that and go okay so that's well later whatever that's that's two consenting adults it's like that's it's the first thing that you I just thought that it was in my eye that's bit. well lit that's what it is she looks but great you, doesn't yeah, you, you know, well with that bit you know what you're looking at isn't no realistic. but you kind of know that yeah and you've probably as an adult had some sexual experiences where you know kind of what's real and what's not and, and what's kind of part of the phone and, and where the levels are but if you're a teenage boy particularly full of testosterone and what you're seeing is you know, sometimes simulated rape, mm. which might be fine in in that in a consensual, in a consensual relationship. relationship. People like that. Yeah, it, that might be fine for that. But if that's what you're seeing, your idea of sex is really skewed, and mm. and then maybe you're reading stuff in the paper and stuff, and you think, well, then then I've got to be a blokey bloke. And you see things like Geordie Shaw and stuff like that, and, and those kind, of, and those blokes are idiots. I'm sorry, like who? What are you talking about? Like the way they talk is just. I mean, I don't find it attractive. In mm. the, I mean, I don't. It's find false in a way, it's it? false confidence and it's it's pretty gross like mm. I just think when I say that I'm like sleep like <laughs> good but like I went to Newcastle not long ago for a night out and I hadn't been for ages 
I'm not gonna lie, there's been a shift. You must have seen it in the lads. I, this I is feel like I'm fucking. I, I, like, I, I like belong a in a time frame like 50 years ago. This is like, I like, at least. And, and I know this is, this is, <laughs> this is like harsh because it's not really their fault either because they're part of this whole new but everyone, culture. Everyone wants to blend in. So they've all gone with it, and it's, I know what you're saying. And it's like, I was being... What did you see then? I was being chatted up by a lad, and mm. I didn't... I assumed... Like, this is really... Like, sounds really stereotypical, but I assumed he was gay mm. from the way he looked. Like, my, you know, my era. He was, like, fake tanned. His eyebrows were plucked to the, like, inch of their lives. Like, really, like, done. Mm. And he, he may have had makeup on. And, again, I'm not judging any of this stuff, if that's what he wanted, but I'm just saying that as a woman... Like he was talking to me for fight, and I had a drink, so I went, "You're chatting me up, aren't you?" Because I was had a drink, so I wasn't bothered. And he was like, mm, "Yeah," and I was like, "Oh, okay, yeah." Here's some tips. Yes, exactly mm. what I did. And I said, "I'm not as harsh, but like, I was like, I really like genuine. Like, I'm not into that. Like, I, I think don't... lads going out wearing makeup for a start. Like, if if you're from Newcastle, I, I sort of." I take it I with a pinch. Like it's fine. Further down I, I, south, I, I sort of like, oh, it's all right, down I'm, here. Do you know, I'm fine, not do you know, judge, it's what I'm they do. Not but in, up north, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? I just, do you know, I don't know whether it's not, it's not that that bothers me. It's more that I'm like, is it like this keeping up with the Joneses? Like, they feel like this is, bit. it's the thing that they've got. I mean, I lived in Essex, going from Newcastle to Essex. In Essex, they've been wearing makeup and they've been doing their eyebrows for years, and it was a cultural thing down there. Mm. And, and us northerners would come down and laugh our heads off mm. at it. But it's like everyone's just in the same with the girls. They've all blended in. All their faces are like surgeried up to the max. Everybody looks the same. And they're talking this talk. And I don't even think they believe it. No. Like the lads, you know, it's like, oh, bang down. I'm like, like, is, is any girl like being into that ever? Like, and I'm like by far like the least prudish person. I don't give a shit what you do, but I'm like, that's not attractive. Like, don't talk to me like that. Like, don't talk to girls like that. Okay. And but then the girls must be accepting that as well at a certain level of acceptance. I think it's one thing when you talk to your mates like that about yeah. lasses because I fucking do that quite often. Yeah, honestly. but, then but when you're around a lass. There's but girls certain... would be cool with that as well yeah. if they're the right girls and, and you're on that level with mm. them. I mean, we could have a joke about that and yeah. I'd, I'd banter straight back with you, but it wouldn't be like a disrespect. There's a, there is a level. Oh, yeah. And I think there's... That's uh, a tacit acceptance of it, really. And being, like that yeah. talk, I mean, that's outrageous. I mean, nobody should be thinking if there's an unconscious girl, I'm a good person because I didn't rape her. Like, <laughs> what? I mean, you, and you, the you are as well. a good you person because you didn't rape her. I'm glad he didn't rape yeah. the girl he saw on the floor. But why are we having this conversation? To it. There's a skill, and I think you're right. Like there's this sort of are blokes being young men being given like the right advice about sex? Probably not, and neither. Like what's going to be happening in 15 years is what I'm thinking. Because like back in the day, know, dads yeah. would sit down and go, "Son, this is how you shave." Now they'll be like, "And this is how you put your foundation on." Like <laughs> what the fuck's the, going on? No, like, that's not the same. That's honestly, like, but then obviously in the 80s yeah. we've already been through that as well. I get the feeling yeah. that a lot of guys in Newcastle, even in Liverpool, like people would have been putting. Fuck, honestly, if you on. watch yeah. me and you wear makeup and you're a man, sort it out. You know, I feel like I feel I've, like there are guys who wear eye makeup. I was buying yeah. makeup the other day as a present, and which ultimately don't always do that as a present. I think it's a really unless you've had it requested. Mm. Uh, <laughs> have you found this out after the fact? <laughs> no, no, no. Because obviously, <laughs> fuck you trying to say like, what's wrong with me? I shut it. That's exactly what I thought when I originally bought the present. I was like, Depends. does this look like I'm trying to? But why? Your makeup was, sucks. What is clever is subscribe to the emails, and then every time some new makeup comes out, bam. 
you know it's a good yeah, tip well, anyway the point is um, they were saying to me more and more guys go in and get like eyeliner and those sorts of things mm. I'm not. I'm not totally against that. I don't. I don't absolutely hate. It. I think there's just a level. Like what I don't like or find attractive in probably either. Now maybe I'll let girls off a little bit, but in blokes is being a tryhard like with yeah. stuff. Like I don't really. I like people to be themselves. Mm. So I, if someone's really done and and even like gym stuff. I mean, I know you're into gym stuff, but when people are like mega, mega, like ripped, and Ross used to say this as well. Like he was like. Like, there's no space for anyone else. Mm-hmm. Like, you're that into yourself. There's oh. not much space for a, a partner. No, to, to, to actually achieve a physique. To like, achieve a physique like that, it takes Your, your whole life has fuck. to... Like, actually, I worked that out a while back, was, like, to become that elite level of, like, bodybuilder type. Oh, it's insane. Not only like, do you have focus. to be a, a narcissist, and, and, you know, we've had extreme weightlifters on this mm. show. We had the world's strongest yeah, yeah. man on. He said, I'm a fucking narcissist, without yeah. a doubt. But, but also... Um, how long is that maintainable for and what are you willing to sacrifice to have a six pack like because if oh, you've got yeah, a yeah. natural six pack then good for you but if you're like you're killing yourself and your whole life revolves around a six pack I just think it's pointless to be honest yeah you've got to think of what the, what the end goal is overall with that stuff haven't you like, like maintain a decent physique is great but great. Just, I don't think does you should it, have think your whole it, life about it that's what it is I think it's, it's levels like if, if I look at someone and they're like you know they've had surgery done and they've had, I'm like it's it makes me feel like you're really uncomfortable with who you are and you haven't really found like a have you seen the Geordie Shore girls and all the surgery they've yeah, had yeah it makes me feel really sad mm. and I read a, and I don't read stuff like like gossip magazine stuff I, I read psychology's magazine like I, I don't and I'm not trying to be like an arty wanker that's just because I, I took a conscious step and actually Ross was largely impactful in that because he was like this is bollocks like what are you reading this stuff mm-hmm. for like and like Heat Magazine and things like that and I know they have the place in terms of trashy fun stuff throwaway stuff but if you read solely that you feel miserable mm-hmm. and my my mum still reads stuff like that and there was stuff at my house achieving that I took a second to have a look through because I you know I need to kind of know what's going on and whatever flicked through and there was an interview by someone on a reality show girl and there was a few comments that stood out for me one was they asked her if she'd had any surgery done and she said no and she said I'm not really into no. <laughs> she's like I haven't had anything no then she went I'm not really into surgery I have had my boobs done and my lips but I'm right. not into and I was like mm. oh is that like just a nothing surgery that's now? almost considered the, the regular like those standards yeah that's like oh yeah but I mean I, I got it a bed done, and then I had that done and, and then that was it and I was it. like what and, and then the second comment was they asked her about having sex on telly and she was like well my mum and dad are fine with it and they've just said like everybody else is doing it so why not and I'm like I did a video on it because I was I was fuming. I was like, if you are that girl's parents, you are a bad parent. I judge you with all of me. Like, who, like, what, like, what level are we at where we're like, that's totally fine, babe, if you can make some money from that. No, that's... Desperation is what I I get from that, though, is like, you literally, your life's that fucked that you're thinking, oh, my daughter gets fucked on TV. That might make us a few quid as well. It's depressing, beyond words. And and the whole, like, surgery thing, like, I'm totally not against surgery, like, and if it makes you, but it's the level of it. Like, if you get your boobs done because you want, you've had small boobs and you're like, I really want big boobs, sound. If you then want to, like, overhaul, and there's one of the girls, I think it's Charlotte um, in Geordie Shore, Mm. and, and I'm not judging her at all because she's been shoved into the spotlight and all I see, I just feel sorry for her because... I there's a different level now like me doing TV from being young I kind of grew up in the industry and it wasn't that kind of high fame but it was like I just kind of learned what the industry was like and how silly and make believe it all is and I never took it serious and I never have whereas these people now are going from no one to major major big 
TV stuff and then everyone's going, you're ugly and you're minging and you're this. I mean, I grew up on telly and people said it to me and I was I had such, such low confidence when I was growing up on television because of it. And I think these people are being like thrust into the media spotlight and then it's a wonder why they're all like chopping their faces to pieces. You know, I'm, and sadly they all look the same. Like they've all got the same the surgeon. As well and it's, it's, there's very little variety in the um, looks, unless someone really fucks up. It. At which point you're sort of like, oh, that's different. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, you got your nose done? I think. I think that's weird. Last email. Uh, this one says uh, Lawrence Bryant and first female guest. I'm 27 from the US, and you can use my name if oh. you can't pronounce it. Make something up. Uh, oh. Apparently his name's Gerardo. Gerardo. Gerardo's a nice name. Gerardo Racinus. We will use your name, yeah. Gerardo, Gerardo. Racinus. sounds like something you put on your hair, head if you're losing your Gerardo hair. Gerardo sounds Racinus. like a, Just use Racinus twice a day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Gerardo sounds like a big car, a big Ford car. Mm. Yeah. Like the Canyonero that yeah. was on The Simpsons. Gerardo. Gerardo. <laughs> um, kind of like a young true Geordie. Uh, my youth was spent. I mean, we'll, we'll be the judge Trying to Kind of like a young true Geordie, my youth was spent eating. So getting a girl was not something I ever imagined was I was going to do, but I lost the weight two and a half stone. You put on weight more than two. Good boy. And has since done uh, since done much better with girls, mostly because I've gotten much more confident in my ability to speak to women. Love them. Good. Uh, But for over ten years, I've always been into one girl more than the other ones. Oh wow! I asked her out uh, when we were young at eighteen. And again at 21, but nothing ever happened. Since then, we stopped talking until a year ago. A year and a half, actually. Yeah. Uh, we've spoken every day since. She's my closest friend, and she knows all my stories, and I know all hers, including each other's sex stories. I don't know if giving it one last go and telling her how I feel is a good idea, or will, I, will it fuck up our friendship? Um, if, I, if I'm ever in London again, I'll buy you a couple of shots of tequila and a pint for True Geordie and Lawrence. From Gerardo. Lovely email. Well, my thoughts are if she was into you, she would have said by now. Mm. Like, I just think she's just not into you. You don't mess with a friendship. I don't, I think he could be honest with her because they seem like they're pretty honest with each Mm -hmm. other and he can say, look, I've got these feelings. I need to deal with them because, unless you feel the same, but I don't think, I don't think she does because he's tried. She had a time. I know, like the two stones gone and stuff, but I'm I'm guessing that. No, sorry. That's really good. And that, but I just think maybe, maybe Lee. I think tell her and just say, look, I'm dealing with, like, don't put the pressure on her, but just be like, look, this is how I've been feeling. Mm. But I think maybe he feels this way about her because they've had this, like, intimate journey as friends. Yeah. And she's been along that path with him. But maybe he's just not experienced that with anyone else. And if he's fixated on her, then he's not really allowing that to come into his life. Great point. And, and some guys do do that. And I remember when I was younger, mm. a friend of ours told their friend that, he loved her and it ruined their friendship. That was yeah. the problem. Well, there's we always quite that, young. There's always that argument, is it, can boys and girls be friends? Yeah, it's a good question. I think... What girl, do you think? I think they can, but I think there is always... Uh, there could always be a sexual element when it's two straight, straight people. Like, I think you can definitely have friends. But who, can gay people be friends? Well, yeah, they can, but Isn't again... There's a sexual element there as well. I want, I'm not gay. So there's potential know, for anything potential. with anything, isn't there? I think, I, well, yeah, there's potential with anything, I guess. But I think there definitely is that element of that. Probably more so, and not being sexist, but it's more so from the lad than right. the girl. I, I think the majority of the time, yeah. um, I would say that would be the case. And I've, like, I've been in, actually, just remembering, I've been in a situation where mm-hmm. a girl like fancied me and I was like, there's just no oh, okay. coming here. 
and as much as I actually quite want to, like in my head, I'm thinking I could just go for something like that right now. There's just but it would friendship. Be. Yeah. And then that's when I faced uh, that mm. situation now. But it, I don't know. You can be friends if the both of you aren't friends. interested yeah, in that you can from each other. Like be friends, but I think there's it's a I don't know. Like I guess they've been friends for a long time, so yeah. there's there's like that. You that say connection. it's good good a building block friendship, isn't it, for a relationship? Or do you think they've left it too long? I think a decade, be, is a, yeah, a decade is a long time. I agree. There's definitely friendship is definitely a great foundation, but I think there has to be even if it's just I quite think you're attractive, even if it's not like. I well fancied you the first second I met you yeah. it could just be that person and I've got a girl that I was coaching for a long time and for ages she was going up with this awful bloke and she couldn't get over him and I worked with her on her mindset and stuff and, and saying look the perfect bloke that you're talking about is not going to come into this situation no. why would the perfect bloke that you're telling me you want come into this drama with this dickhead hanging around in the background he ain't coming into that because perfect bloke doesn't want that doesn't Mm -hmm. want drama you just said he doesn't you know like and when she stopped looking and she got rid of dickhead bloke actually the friend that was around just in their group suddenly she yeah and she's now having a baby with him and all is good oh shut up shut up I I have to say I'm a bit of a romantic so if I was him I'm going for it I'm I'm, I'm going to one day I'm turning up with flowers and all that shit no but that's too much because then she'll be like there was it's a bit needy yeah Yeah, I can't be a bit needy (laughs) can you be like that with you as well yeah I think Sweet. you. Yeah. I, I bring him flowers it, all the time. Oh, that that's lovely though, and that Reject is. Them, though. Keep them on his toes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Treat him mean, keep him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, genuinely, I, no, I would go for it. I would because I know I'm just a risk-taking bastard. Yeah, yeah. So I'd, I'd rather risk the whole friendship and, and, and potentially well, you, land. You, you, would, you probably the woman. want that though, don't you? Like you don't want to live always thinking. Oh, what if? No, you should still say it. You should say, look, this is how I feel. Like 100. I feel like this. I've been in love with you for ages. Is it ever like put me out my misery? Is it ever going to be that? And she'll probably say he needs no. a reality check, doesn't he? If he's wondering, yeah. But then Healthy. I agree with you. Like you, sometimes you've got to take a risk in that. Like, if mm. you do have to just go, you know, this is how I feel, rightly or wrongly. Like yeah. it is what it is. And like you said, if he does get a big fat no, then he moves on and he yeah. and he opens up the possibilities yes. for future. And then yeah, and then he'll find someone yeah. lovely, and he'll think, oh, actually, that's I've moved on. It's all is good in the world. The, the thing is, he would maybe lose the friendship at that point. And that's but then that. I, I guess don't that's think scary. he's really. Is he really? Does he lose in the it? Is he really a friendship? Good point. Yeah. If is it's he, that good of a friendship, would she ditch him over? Well, part, fancy well, part well, of the problem is. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, I guess if he's told her that, and then he's bringing around someone else to that friendship, there's always going to be question marks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone, yeah. listen. Everyone, I always. We're not. It is. It's yeah. top twists and turns. <laughs> yeah. I, everyone has their own filter on the world, and you cannot Im- really impact anybody's decisions and how they see it and how they don't and how they feel about you and how they don't is not your mm-hmm. responsibility and if, if there's one thing we learn from Biker Grove don't go on roofs and don't get paint in your eyes no. <coughs> just don't go paint he's literally dropping me stuff I, 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 I didn't really watch Biker really? I was more of a Bill fan the Bill yeah, yeah. Preferred all as, as a nine year old no then <laughs> I did genuinely do you know I like Casualty as well did I still you? remember the tune I've done Casualty three times different characters yeah I played a girl who'd had a boob job the first time that burst went wrong and did you have to what how did you play that character did you have to have one bigger than the other do you know what? I was pregnant at the time so my boobs were massive genius and a smart move I was early stage pregnancy <laughs> with boobs on me so it was fine it worked out <laughs> I love it's funny because she I turned up I love the hand 
she turned up and she bought her own. So yeah. that's perfect. That's yeah. helpful. Yeah, she, yeah. Was a, she was. She came prepared. Yeah. So and she that, got pregnant just for that role. Just, I did. Yeah. yeah. You know, you got to try method. <laughs> just one of the boobs. Um, yeah, that role. Then what else did I play? I can't remember. Oh yeah, I played a stripper who she had a seizure. That's always nice for casual. You want to have a seizure in casualty, don't you? Yeah. It's like it seems like a tick in the box, like crackhead on the bill, yeah. seizure in casualty. And then the last one I did in casualty, I played a girl who got raped. So going back to wow. who was it earlier? One well, yeah. Girl. So what the storyline was? You were lying at the side of the room. It was no, I was. And it a bad was, guy walked it, it was. It was actually really, really horrible storyline that one. But that yeah, that I um, it was she was raped in an alley by a friend. That was. It was a hard role to play. That one. It was really intense really intense I actually didn't want to we played like the the club scenes before um, and then she goes out into the alley and she snogs the brother and then the other brother came in and was like move out of the way mm-hmm. and he raped her it's wow. really horrible it was really gruesome but the director directed me in Biker Grove a guy called Graham Harper who did a lot of the Doctor Who stuff really really great guy and he was really conscious of the fact that I, I still have to act what's happening it's actually really like quite an intimate situation Mm -hmm. but we did it so that I didn't meet the actor um, who played the rapist (coughs) until on set I didn't really want to because I didn't want to be like mates with him like too much I just wanted to meet it real time and it was actually really weird because it was in an alley like Mm -hmm. in the dark in the you know the rain and stuff and like it was a bit miserable but I didn't feel like unsafe or anything like it was totally fine but it, it, it made it very realistic it was quite gruesome the stuff that we shot like POV shots of it and that yeah. was pretty minging I was pretty stunned to hear how much uh, the guys in Casualty are on well financially that Charlie guy is on a lot of money is he? he's, he's on there like a long time half yeah. do you know what though the extras are on a decent little yeah. sometimes yeah. like as, as an actor who comes in and does like a few sto- like few episodes and stuff you're like am I getting this wrong here shall I sit back and stop playing roles and actually just be an extra because these people are here all week yeah. <laughs> like, I mean like over the long term they're probably make, they're making they're more down. money like, just walking around going scalpel yeah, yeah it is boring though like yeah. uh, you know I enjoy like if I'm go- if I go back to acting which at the minute I'm like I probably will do something but I, like TV is definitely sort of calling a bit but I just I can't do the audition side anymore. I'm it just, must also be weird because now you've sort of got fame as a real person as well, which is kind of tricky to change like to be an actress. Is yeah. it nice to be yourself as opposed to being a character? That's weird to me because I never ever wanted that initially, and then I started to just talk <clears> and be myself. And people always used to say to me, "You should do presenting," and I was like, mm, "I don't really know, like what, like why?" And like then I just started doing YouTube and I started doing other stuff, and I realised actually I do quite like that. And now I feel like. I'm at a point in my life where I want to do something more impactful than mm. like just part. That actually brings us on to what you're doing right now. Mm-hmm. You are doing life coaching and you've I just do, started yeah. something uh, yesterday actually, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, I was well excited. And so I've got my phone here because right. my phone's like flagging up at me. Mm-hmm. Um, be- I basically, I put together online courses on mindset, positive mindset and that kind of stuff. And that's been something that I've done for the last few years. It was a, I started to, when I became, like, started doing the life coaching and stuff, was around the time that Ross was diagnosed. Mm. I've always been into it because as an actor, you have to work on your mind and you have to have good resilience. And mm-hmm. so I always was did self-development type stuff and read about a million books a week on that kind of stuff, like constantly reading on it. 
And when Ross was diagnosed, I had to really work on myself. And I just found that I attracted people that needed me to work with them. And I just used to do it. And then eventually I realized actually this could be something I do as, as a business in some capacity. And I wanted to be closer to home. So I used to, I do sessions via Skype. So I can speak to anyone around the world. That's one-on-one stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I realized actually in terms of finances and stuff to have a more regular wage and, and have to do less work overall was to build this sort of, income that um you know you don't have to do as much so i built online courses Mm -hmm. and so i've just released a new one and this is the first one since ross was ross died Mm -hmm. and the reason i kind of did it was a nice focus for me but also because i've built this new following of people who are either going through similar stuff or resonate with me in some capacity that i kind of wanted to go because i you know obviously like you guys i get a lot of emails of people Mm -hmm. wanting to know like how am I positive how do I deal with life whether that's you know dealing with death and health stuff or it's just like you know I want too much or whatever Mm -hmm. like whatever level it is Mm -hmm. and so I just I thought I need to just do something I need to put this together now so I put together this 21 day online course it's called the happy me project it's you get daily audios you get a workbook to work through every day there's videos on specific actually not dissimilar to what you guys do but I, I put it out there to my followers what are your common like mindset issues that you're going through Mm -hmm. and a lot of the same stuff comes up time and time again social anxiety and whatever like loads of stuff that people sort of do so I put that in there as well there's lots of worksheets there's a Facebook group for people to kind of be supported in that and I'll jump in there and do live stuff and things and answer questions for people as well Um, but I've put it at 30 quid which is ridiculous considering the work that I put into it but I've put it at that level because I wanted more people to be able to get it Mm -hmm because it's basic stuff like you can tell by the way I talk like any mindset stuff I don't want it to be like me flexing my like look at me I know my stuff like it doesn't need to be that I want you to get it practical it's practical like I want people no bullshit like I want people to understand it I want it to be not everybody that you know everybody in self-development and mindset sort of circles gets this stuff but I'm like I don't care like it needs to be like your bricklayer who's struggling with depression and he doesn't know how to deal with it or you know the, the the lad at school who's struggling secretly and he doesn't really know how to deal with it that matters to me more and it's something I'm so passionate about because like I said to you earlier like sometimes I get a little bit and maybe this is, is my own issue to deal with but sometimes people put me on a pedestal like like look at her like she's got her shit together and I'm like like I said to you it's it seems a little bit like it's almost like harsh on me in some ways because I work on that every day like I work on my mindset when I feel something coming up I deal with it I I do the stuff that I've put into the course whether it's meditation or whether it's you know gratitude stuff or journaling or whatever other things that I do and it's almost like you know if somebody had like the ripped abs you wouldn't go look at them with their natural ripped abs they're just amazing they're just amazing people that's why they've got ripped abs you would understand that they go to the gym every day and it's the same with me like with mindset stuff I know I'm strong as fuck like I know my mindset is unusual I know that but equally it's not unobtainable Mm -hmm. like the stuff I'm doing if you do the stuff that I'm doing you will find benefit in it and so this course Mm -hmm. was put together for that exact reason where it's like look it's not overcomplicated. you've got a workbook you do the work in the workbook it's not loads not school you fill it out on a night time there's some questions to get you thinking about stuff 
you listen to an audio in the morning which will get you in a, a good frame of mind it'll be different topics every day there's challenges for you to do there's there's videos for you to look, work through as you're going and just wanted it to be something I can direct people to because also my time is precious and I don't want to give away too much of my time or energy and I have to protect myself in that way as well and I've only taken on a few new clients over the last like month or so because I also can't deal with too much of people's negativity as well myself I've got to protect my own energy yeah because you're investing your own emotions into these people and yeah. being around someone who is struggling and they've come yeah. to you for help is also going to you're going to feel what they're feeling and things yeah like and that. I do and I'm quite um, like I, I'm an empath like I do feel people's energy mm-hmm. a lot and so that I've had to put boundaries on that and I sort of I attract a different client client now is different to what I did I used to just be like I'll help you all and then I realized like whoa like some people need help right. and I couldn't really deal with that so those people can do the online stuff and I can be there as a background support whereas I tend to only work business and mindset. So I tend to work with female entrepreneurs on one-on-one because I can give them one-on-one stuff that they can do and they'll, they'll do it and they'll, it'll be practical and positive. Whereas I'm not massively into work on one-on-one with people who've like, certainly I wouldn't work with deep seated issues with people because I'm not a psychologist. I'm a life coach. So it was a different like sphere, but in terms of the, you know, positive mindset, practical stuff that people can do, the happy me project online stuff is, is great. And I, I'm going to be doing some workshops on that as well. In, in December, I'm doing on the 3rd of December, I'm doing one in Coventry cause I'm lazy and I like to be close to my house. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll be, I'm going to kind of just go where people want me to. Like a lot of people are asking me to go to different cities in the UK. And I'm like, look, get enough people and I'll come and I'll talk and we'll do some stuff together. But it's kind of just putting it out there and, you know, see who comes along. Maybe we'll do one with one of your awesome. lot. That'd, That'd be, be good. Great. A laddish one. I don't have many lads. I think that's about a change. I think it is. Good. Yeah. Well, we'll put all of your links in the description for everything that you do. Mm-hmm. And everyone who uh, wants to get in touch or follow you or whatever can do that. Uh, any any more questions from you, mate? No. I've got one left. Wicked. Go for it. How would you like to be remembered? Oh, that's a big question. I mean, finish on a big one. Um, do you know what? I just would like to be remembered as somebody who gave life a shot and just wasn't scared to mm. try. And I live my life by a very Geordie saying, Shy Ben's getting out. And I have winged life. I still don't know how, like... I get up and do what I want and wear the clothes that I want and just don't really have a proper job like and I love that and it's purely because I just wing it and try and have a go so I just want when I'm dead people to go ah oh, she give it a shot and she like try to help people and she try to make an impact mm. in that that's enough I think you're doing that cheers pet mate. cheers pal <laughs> um, you're an inspiration and uh, I'm Thanks. really happy that you were the first a woman or girl I feel so them. privileged oh, I'm yeah, well chuffed yeah. and I was saying to you earlier my dad's a fan of the show and I didn't know <laughs> and he's called Brian as nice well. one wow. shout out to Big Bry yeah. Big Bry sir yeah, nice he, and he worked on the rigs as well so there's lots of connections and yeah. he obviously follows you maybe for that reason but yeah. when Probably I relates more to me <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, definitely. Yeah. That, yeah, definitely. Yeah. but he said yeah he's, when I said I was coming on the show he was like he's amazing though you know oh, <laughs> that's nice, isn't it Lawrence isn't bad either. Podcast he's watched. Lawrence isn't yeah. bad either. Uh, yeah, well, if everyone has enjoyed this, make sure you lot like the video, subscribe. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you later.